Welcome, guys, to another episode of Shonen Ronin. We were not able to have an episode last week, but we have a new episode today, tonight. We are going to be able to cover Weekly Shonen Jump issue number 40 and number 41, which is today. Uh, the next issue comes out ne- on the Monday. We'll, it's to be announced, and so we'll see if we're going to do a Shonen Ronin because of uh, it's all on a Monday. But we'll honestly see what happens. But for now, we are concentrating what's going to be for today, this evening. So let's go ahead and see our faces. Hello. Welcome, guys, to a new episode of Sean Ronin and May Lady. If our usual, our usual homie, our usual Anaki, Anaki Smash, FSB. What's up, y'all? How everybody doing? You know, it was actually a little sad we didn't get to get this knocked out last week. So I'm glad that we're together this week to get this conversation popping. And we have our main man, our voice actor, and our voice acting arc progress and main character, our Kendall Grant. He's in our channel. He is back as usual. And yeah, how are you, man? I'm good, man. The the little week to adjust to things. I started Ubering, trying to figure out a more consistent schedule for content, as well as, you know, the extra side hustle. But bills got to be paid. I appreciate that hustle, man. Like we all have to start something and we all have bills to pay that needs to go, that needs to continue to be paying. But I mean, keep your head up high, keep your dreams up there. You can do it, man. You have to work hard. It's just a lot of work and time and network. Yeah. But yeah, we back. We back. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, guys, we have a whole lot of lists of mangas to talk about actually since to cover up from last week and actually before even last week it's uh that previous thursday was kaiju number eight chapter 69 <laughs> nice <laughs> uh although it's going to return on thursday with chapter 40 i'm sorry chapter 70 and uh again we'll see what happens on monday but for now we could, we're going to start in we're going to cover kaiju number eight my hero academia 365 the year uh, Black Clover up to 336, Undead Unluck, chapter 125 to 126, JJK 196 and 197, One Piece 1059. Let's go right ahead, Kaiju number eight. I like the fact that Kaiju number eight, this chapter was obviously written kind of like with an awareness that, hey, you know, we took a little extra time off. And, but also it kind of, it very much much functions as like this we are starting this story beat like yes there's a bit of you know talk but it's like we're here now we're doing this so i I do think this is a nice strong start i think it was uh good yeah it took its one month break uh start of episode seven cataclysm good name uh it gives us the whole background of the calm before the storm. And we learned mm-hmm. that technically Kaiju number eight is being seen as a hero to kids now. I mean, it, it's like this experience of what Chainsaw Man had for his, for like when he made his debut kind of thing. It's needed, honestly, it's to give people the hope and mm-hmm. the idea that he, he and Ka- Kafka, even though like he's always scared and he doesn't know what he's doing, he's technically following what. Uh, my hero name is heroes do like don't show your fear don't be coward and everything you have to smile every single time and like in this past and flashback that's always been him and his personality and i can respect that 
it's like literally seeing Deku younger version and then more quirk without with, without gaining without having that quirk or hero section if All Deku right. had its kaiju in its adult form this would be this actually might be Deku well I think that's kind of funny because there is a bit more of a and this is one of those things that I liked about that I've liked that's been coming into this newer era or like I, I want to say like the 2014 because like a lot of people you know argue about like new gen or what's the current gen and I'm like look a generation is more than like three years guys so stop trying to you know put like a manga that started in 2014 and a manga that started in like 2019 2020 and two separate generations because you know that's basically the end of the big three era so we're like this post big three era basically right now and this has kind of been like a common theme among these series where there's a lot more focus on like the heart and why the person might not be necessarily qualified or things that make them a little less, you know, macho, but in exchange, you get a lot more of a reasonable basis for their characters and the way they connect with people seems more sincere. And so Kafka kind of, you know, like you mentioned, being similar to Deku in the sense that when he was like a kid, he was, you know, one of the first people to try to help, you know, guide people away, be like, everybody stay calm. And then having to deal with that realization as an adult, you know, that he's not having that power, not really that qualified, et cetera. And then kind of inheriting that ability to give him the ability to move within the space and having to keep it a secret and getting that dual identity thing where it does, Kaiju number eight does kind of take a bit of like a superhero approach to this Kaijuification and eventually, you know, them knowing. So him kind of getting to finally do the stuff that he wanted to do and seeing that interaction specifically with, you know, his homegirl from back in the day after putting in all that earnest work and training and stuff and seeing that like she's kind of like thankful for the courage that he displayed as a child and how that built into who she is today and how her being at that point is what allowed him to persevere and truly have that like kind of building into that similar to how you mentioned like that Deku and I'd say Deku Uraka dynamic where they kind of feed into each other and each of them setting examples leads to the other one finding ways that they can grow yeah which I, I don't think we've gotten much conversation between him and her as adults this is actually the first conversation they've had since she she found out the truth like never had they had a conversation where he was not being locked up they found his secret he needs to be put on the security they might have to eliminate him or the meeting with the board and stuff like that almost okay yeah i was trying not to be too bold and be like i think this is the first conversation they've really had in a long time but yeah okay yeah, it definitely yeah, no. is. We, remember we talked about that when we were kind of like going back over him getting in contact with like his friends and stuff and the whole text message thing with the phone. Like he's really just been nonstop because it's like he got an opportunity, then he transformed and things have just been super crazy ever since. So like he's really just like, you know, he's had that kind of like come back. He's useful again. He's been training like kind of like in isolation um so the fact that people are starting to pair up together for these bigger missions this was literally the only opportunity that they've had a chance to talk and to me like that was the most meaningful thing it was very um refreshing uh it was very like i needed that it also kind of prepped the anticipation and the intensity for what's going to happen in this next fight that the the author felt that it was important for us to see this interaction now 
you know what I mean? Versus like anything else that could have been done. And then we immediately go into like the end of the, 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 <laughs> the end of it, the real cataclysm of everything, so to speak. And it's like, you see this human girl and it's just like, oh, okay. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, that's a kaiju. Whoa, that was a red, like, I forgot that you guys can hide yourself to this extent. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I got, I got, uh, I got uh, Persona Shimigami Tensai vibe from that. Where... I definitely think they've gotten better at the disguising too over the past bit of time. And I think that mm-hmm. might have been what that three month gap was about mm-hmm. getting better at infiltrating human society. Yeah. Cause remember they said they seemingly vanished. It's like, wait mm-hmm. a minute, did they seemingly vanish or have they just been hiding in plain sight this whole time is what it really is seeming like. Cause that is, that is one of the kaiju that they showed when they showed those series of kaijus before the mm-hmm. attack. That was one of the kaijus that was, um, that they did show before. I'm fairly confident that same design was used. Yeah. I thought so too, when I read it. And when you think about how, um, I think it was number 10 that took over the old man's body was basically wore his face for a little while that was kind of you know the author telling us these guys are going to be looking more and more humanoid while having monstrous abilities so i think we're going to start getting more like i don't know if you guys have read or watched parasite the maxim but that kind of aesthetic where yeah we're going to have their like faces transforming yeah that's that's exactly where my head went when i saw the transformation i was like whoa yeah but that's fun because it's like we we get to have um more dynamic uh, it's almost like it's kind of blending the realism of what the the manga is actually trying to portray mm-hmm. um and that relatability that you feel with the people and then you're not sure who's who you know i think it's going to cause um some some relatively useful tension in developing the story but that's that's about it i thought it was a really straightforward chapter i really wasn't expecting any of what i got from the chapter um maybe just the ending like the last panel like <laughs> the last page or so like that's what i thought was gonna be like the whole the whole chapter after the name but it was a pretty wholesome well-rounded chapter of content um there's a lot of parallels and progressions with the things that we're watching now and much to your point before anarchy about like people talking about eras and generations and stuff i kind of like to define my my thought process around these things with like what i consider to be my understanding of the format of the formula Mm-hmm. and to me i agree like the format and the formula has been pretty consistent for like a bit now but when you compare it to things like bleach i always i always tell people a good example it's like bleach versus jjk like they're very very related but bleach obviously has a different formula while taking notes from its predecessors you know with it with the formula thing especially i think the best example of this is that i've always said that I feel like My Hero was kind of like the start of a shifting into a different style. And I don't mm. know if you remember like when the My Hero exhibit was up, there was actually a good number of the newer mangaka basically being like, yeah, like Horikoshi's that guy we look up to, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we call him Horipi and we try to like argue over who gets to see movies and stuff with him, which Gege won. Gege is the one who ended up being able to go see movies and stuff with him. Uh, <laughs> but there's... I think the best way to describe it and highlight it is actually to bring up Black Clover for a bit here because Black Clover does what I would consider the traditional uh, or like the big three era-esque, maybe like leaning into like Dragon Ball style where you get these like 40, 50 chapter arcs pretty reliably out of like Black Clover. Like the like Black Clover arcs are typically going to be like 
a good chunk longer. Whereas JJK, uh, My Hero, uh, we're see we saw like a decent bit with Undead Unluck. They usually try to keep it like 20 and under, where we're getting a lot of these like faster based arcs. Like one of my favorite arcs in uh, JJK isn't Shibuya, it's the hidden inventory arc, or like you know, the flashback of Gojo. And that's basically like a 15 chapter run, but it's one of the best parts to me. These ideas, like these lot better self, like not necessarily better, but like better self-contained story arcs where it's like, boom, we get from A to B to C, and this is what's coming next. And it's like, this is a complete story journey. Whereas if you read, you know, like the first 15 to 20 chapters of The Thousand Year Blood War, I love The Thousand Year Blood War, but it's not as thorough of a story as you get normally out of like 20 chapters of like jjk or uh mha or undead and luck you know it's, it's just kind of different now where yeah there's a, it's more like a string of really short arcs to uh com like compose up the saga whereas you look at wano and wano has been running since before my hero's first war arc and wrapped up you know so. like two like, and a half years about wano mm -hmm. has been running for about four years mm -hmm. Wano's been running since 2018, and mm -hmm. the main reason I know that Wano's been here since 2018 is because I was cutting my teeth on uh, my buddy Silver's channel back in the day, um, and so like I used to do primarily like One Piece podcast and stuff as a guest on my buddy's channel, and so that and like I remember we got into Wano on his channel. So it was like back then when I was on that chance, so like act one was in like 2019. Yeah, I will say, I, I just vividly remember that literally Wano is is literally the pandemic. Wano is the entire pandemic. Yeah. So like, like Wano proceeds and, and covers like the entirety of the pandemic. Um, yeah, well, we can talk about that, Alves, because the, the era of Wano never ends, apparently. <laughs> but Black Clover chapter. But you, no, you're right. And I think I think you're right. I would say I would argue that it was a little bit before. So I think my hero is a, probably a good pinpoint. I think my hero was the, uh, the final adjustment to what was being adjusted. Um, look at things that also came out early those times. Some of the other series, Sword Art Online, uh, uh, yep. um, even Haikyuu. Um, Kamino puzzle. There's a lot um psychopath. There was a lot of shifts that were happening. And we're starting to see it again. A lot of things are getting played around with now. Mm -hmm. with, um, like the introduction of some new sports series, the introduction of um fantasy worlds again, like a reintroduction, I guess, of fantasy worlds. Um, and and basically the the I want to say the birth, we know that isekais have existed, but the birth of isekais also changed the, the format Ooh. to which that we we, we got. We got a lot of things, and not just from like what we see getting put out now, but the fact that it became it started to become relevant around that same time that my hero uh, appeared, Black Clover appeared, um, all of these other series that we've grown to love over the past years. But they've all, if you look at them in like a in a conglomerate, you can see that they've all been trending in a certain uh, direction. Just like if I could call out like another old random series, Black Cat. Black Cat mm -hmm. does not fit the type of no. <laughs> anime that we get now. Um, gangster does not fit the the mold. Oh, no. Of, okay. Of, of, oh no. I, no. I recently reread Black Cat, and by recently I mean within like the last three to four years. Mm -hmm. uh, oh wait, 
now that I think about it, because of how I was reading it, it might actually have been like four years ago. I, I read Black Cat since the Shonen Jump Viz app came out. Mm-hmm. How about that? <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. That there we go. Um, and it's definitely one of those stories that's kind of got like a slower pace through a good chunk of it. Uh, obviously, there's some like exciting moments. One of the things that I'll say that it does it doesn't do because one of the things that I've also noticed is that a lot of older series put way less detail in their power systems. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that I think is very much like a post big three era thing where like the amount of effort like and that's partially you know the hunter hunter influence across manga you know mm-hmm. explain explain um i know some people would attribute it to jojo's i personally don't because uh jojo's is kind of like i'm trying to find a nice way to say it's a series filled with ass pulls and inconsistencies but jojo, designed jojo, to be fun <laughs> jojo jojo is much like um one piece in that you see growth and development and adjusting to the format across the seasons and arcs so i would i would be a little i would i would say you could almost make that but you'd have to be very specific about which seasons you're trying to make that argument for like stone ocean is way different than literally mm -hmm. everything that's come before it you know what i mean and i think you can kind of say that for every single see like i think from maybe about uh, part four go forward they're like very different than their predecessors i definitely um prefer the storytelling in parts four five mm-hmm. and like I, i'm trying to get back into part six but it, it, i'm kind of just gonna a little burned out on uh jojo's i think but i'm trying to get back into part six but part four i thought actually had a bit more heart to it even even if it still kind of had that monster not not necessarily monster of the week but it was a lot more random and like how the POVs shifted, but at the same time, it was still there was still like a tangible goal. It was just that other stuff kept happening, and it was the whole point was that it was a town, you know, that led to all these heightened variables and margins of errors. Uh, yep, yeah, I might have to just wait until then, uh, until the third batch for part six comes out. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I, I think if you're, I, I was gonna say the same thing. I think you might want to wait for part the the third part as well. Because you, we we already know what this part is going to be. You know what the first part was. And we know how JoJo typically does their, like, their stage play-esque release of their series. So I would definitely wait for for probably the right before, like, the new... Right before they release part three, essentially, to go back and read everything yeah. or watch everything, rather. Um, but, yeah, no. Getting getting back on focus, we was trying to yeah, explain yeah. some logic to y'all, but... The point of the Shonen matter Shonen here jumps is, new algorithm. Yes. <clears throat> the algorithms and the times are are in a specific locked in era, and I think um, I'm grateful for the adjustments. I'm grateful for the growth, um, and like I said, I, I'm happy to see some of our older series um, latch on true to that. But also, y'all need to diversify yourself. Go go read some. Go watch some Golden Kamui. Go 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 watch yes, some yes. some shoujo's. Go go diversify your palette, please. <laughs> I beg. Yeah. Like, and I would say go beyond um, anime and stuff like that mm-hmm. in that sense. Just because personally for me, a lot of the same stuff that I could get out of a slice of out of a slice of life anime, I can get out of, you know, like a regular television sitcom, depending on who's writing it. As everybody knows, I'm a huge community fan. Um, 
so I think that's and I think that's like the peak of sitcoms and like how you can take sitcom writing and do something that's like really clever while simultaneously still being like goofy and stuff all the time but so like I understand that if maybe you don't find like I always say that the action adventure genre utilizes animation the best out of any genre just because it it basically goes what's some wild things I can do and then it goes yeah I'm just gonna go do them and you don't have to worry about that immersion break that the same way you do like when I watched Thor 4 last night oh oh, I'm sorry yeah I saw your tweets and stuff like oh man and like I was like bro god save you god save you (laughs) some of this editing looks like I did it and I'm not even close to professional VFX artists so this is not a good sign (laughs) I am sorry you had to go through that hey at least i have a new uh least favorite mcu film <laughs> so there's that at least i'd never want taika to touch another thor comic again but he will almost undoubtedly because people like the haha funny but yeah back on kaiju number eight sorry yes yes uh where were we oh right um oh how i saw from the chapters that yeah it's wholesome it does give us the more stories of uh, the continuing training of uh Shinimoya. And then destruction and the impact number weapons can have when they're clashing together, mm-hmm. as well as the foreshadowing of what's gonna happen in the future. Where Kafka, when Kafka was a kid, uh, his childhood friend Nashiro was telling him, "You always became the captain. You're always the one that leads the school, the team. You even go from one building to another just so that you can lead all of us to safety and stuff like that." I think it's just foreshadowing of what's going to happen in the future where Kafka is going to go full kaiju Mm in his armor and everything. And then he just has the entire platoon of the special division platoon behind him, covering him and helping him and stuff like that. Yeah, like I I definitely think that we got, you know, a lot of good setup and potential for his leadership to finally come into play because he's wanted to be that for so long and you know he's got that respect from some of the other people within that platoon so to a certain degree I can kind of see especially with the old man gone as we lose a couple more people I don't want him to lose a childhood friend but I could see her being injured at some point to the story and then maybe him kind of leading a strike with you know uh the director's daughter with um Ren or Reno with the guy who goes like up and down, you know, working with these people together, like kind of bringing those, all these people back together. Cause we kind of had that alluded to in the previous chapters where it was kind of suggested, you know, okay, everybody's getting their role here, their niche. We're developing, we're figuring out what's their specialty as far as their combat styles go. Yeah, so, we, got, we got a little bit of that too with the first and third division joint practice. Because uh, I think that's what they're, they're trying to put in together. They're going to have the third division, which is Kafka, uh, Shinimoya, uh, his friend, and everybody. They're going to be their own separate division team that's going to be doing the offense. They're going to be the offense to attack through the crater of Kaiju number mm-hmm. nine. Well, I guess the captain and everybody else is protecting the mainland. Yep. They're, and that's the other thing, too, is that with the way that this, like, the way the into this chapter kind of popped off i think that one the the kaiju specifically chosen for this attack is the one that looks like a brain um which leads and if you look at the attack that she used on the like masses 
like it a kind spider of, web or kind of crater it, specifically it's designed to look like synapses in the brain oh so if you look like it, it's basically like because that's why there's these random circles that are also like spreading out so it looks to me like her ability might center on infecting and spreading which means that the kaijuification of these people could be inevitable and by causing them this much damage the human side of them is going to die a lot faster and allow them to completely monsterize uh that's kind of what i'm getting the vibe i'm getting out of this attack at least because it looks like she's kind of creating a network yeah, I definitely also got the like um <clears throat> the neural network kind of vibes from it. So my my take was just like um a very uh high level electronic control of the brains of whatever sort. Um my my thought was a little different though. I was thinking possibly guiding them, like farming them kind of thing. So they would be easier to to influence them to go in a specific direction um and make basically like make large populations of people disappear at once. Yeah. I definitely could see something happening in that way. Uh, I mean, cataclysm, large-scale, violent event in a natural world. I don't think there's a lot we can do with this chapter just because it's a very much, which I guess is partially, maybe that's part of why my brain was like, yeah, we can afford to talk about Black Clover today uh, <laughs> because I knew that this chapter wasn't too much to work with. I hear you. Whereas, for example, when we get to One Piece, whoo, man. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead. And, I'll go ahead and make the call. We'll, we'll we'll briefly touch on the um malarkey. I mean the wonderful content <laughs> that is Black Clover. Um, what I will say is this is the best chapter we've gotten since we've come back. Real quick, out the gate. Um, I don't think there's a lot to really go into here either as well, Aniki. Yeah. <clears throat> but I I feel very cheap. Um, with the explanation that we got for. The people we were already assumed from the last chapter that this was a, a callback to um <clears throat> to to Captain Yam um Yami and that he may have been washed up on the other shore. I, that was I feel like anyone else already had drawn that conclusion, and all I, the semantics of this chapter are really annoying. Outside I, of that, I, I legitimately tweeted out like I'm pretty like this guy kind of looks like Raya, but like that was because of the angle, so I couldn't tell it was a ponytail. Mm -hmm. But I was like. I'm pretty sure they're in Yami. He's in Yami's homeland. And boom. Yeah, All right, yeah it was. It was I feel like it just wasn't a stretch to make that assumption, especially the whole, well, we can't sense him. We can't sense him. Yeah. The um, second they were like, know. he's not on this continent, I was like, well, you made it yeah, a bunch of continent. So. Yeah. You made it really <laughs> clear that you specifically said continent. Um, You got the shadowy walk up again, very reminiscent of what happened with Yami. Now, uh, Clearly, some relative of Yami, <clears throat> why they're pretending that they're just friends, we don't know. Obviously, that's some other story that can go in there. I'm, I'm okay with this, though, because I needed something else. You couldn't mm -hmm. just give me what you were trying to give me. Obviously, Asta's not strong enough. I needed something that made sense that was different than what was been, what has been done so far. And I'm, I'm okay overall with what I got from this chapter. I'm okay with everything. I would I would have liked some more unique character design in. Um, and I'd like to have some more explanation of things, but I'm okay with it. We got a power, somebody that can kind of see on you, like your history of different things. Okay, cool. All that's fine. Um, we'll get into what that is later. I think Asta's way more <laughs> where we are with Asta right now and everything they've showed us, even to start this arc, it felt very cheap to make Asta seem as naive as he was um mm -hmm. in in this interaction 
Um, and I, I don't take it as, oh, he just woke up and he's a little shooken. No, he's like really naive. Like he's really adept at fighting and key at this point. He would know that this is a damn near identical key, which I think is the selling point. This is probably like Yami's brother or something, right? I think so, they have to be at least cousins. Yeah, um, they, they're they're related of some, some sort, some type of next to kin of Yami, period. And I think this was just a good time for it. We've all been wondering where's Yami's backstory. So for us to... Again, talking about tying up loose ends and where else we could go, this was a really good decision, in my opinion, to to now give us possibly some Yami backstory here. And my stance on this is like, of course, the Black Bulls were going to decide they're going to try to find Asta. That's a no-brainer. Like, honestly, you could have just, you could have opened this chapter up with Nock being like, all right, guys, you know what time it is? And they're like, fine, Asta. And I would have been like, yep, there you go. Makes sense. Boom. Didn't even need any of the dialogue or like the the bickering, um, but you know I do like Knock, so that's cool at least. But the one yeah, thing it, that I will I, say, it was nice to see Knox's um, how he's been accepted. Yeah, maybe in less like again I agree maybe in less panels, same effect. But it was nice to see that there was a dynamic, there was an understanding, there was the whole like you're not my daddy kind of situation mm-hmm. going on. But yeah. And the, the thing with the Charmy bot, that's that's the weird, like, that's one of the few things that I'm like, okay, so either we're about to find out that, like, Charmy is, like, some kind of false creation, or this is specifically, you know, something being done and, like, repli- or similar to her. Maybe it is just a gag, but, you know, we'll find out with that, just, like, how Charmy being half-dwarf was this big reveal that we still haven't touched on since the war. Um, I don't know yeah. why. We also know uh, that we haven't had any other doors on the continent, throwing the yeah. word continent back out there, um, portrayed to us. So possibly, you know, this this could be some overarching big connection um, and there could be some further thing. Uh, it might even have something to do with why she was one of the people that Yami drafted. So there yeah. they could be an even bigger reveal later on. And I'm again, I'm for the for. For everything that has happened between the end of the lot, the previous arc, and where we started this arc, this has been the most satisfying chapter of Black Clover that I've read in a very long time. And even with my frustrations, even with my frustrations, there's still it's still a very satisfying chapter. And Joseph, yeah, I think that there's a part of Sister Lily that saved Asta. I don't, and that was like somebody, I believe it was like this guy named uh, Yato said it in like the Project Manga server or something. He was like. It would sure be wild if the enemy decided that um, he defeated Asta, but it turned out that he sent him to the one place that he needed to go so that he could learn how to beat him. And I'm like, well, there we go. That's that's what we got I mean, here. Yeah, but, they're playing on the whole like the 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 consequences of inevitability thing with mm-hmm. this power. So I, again, as soon as he got blasted off, y'all know I was already on the yeah, well. Like, he he got dead. blasted off the screen, so he ain't dead. Like, all right, cool. <laughs> and the one thing that I will say is that it doesn't seem to suggest that they use grim- grimoires here, which when you think back to it, like it seemed like when Yami washed up on shore or whatever, that oh, a grimoire came to him. Like there was a book that was like, ooh, Yep. No, they explained, they explained that. They explained very uh, acutely. If you go back to the beginning, it seems like silly lore, but they 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 explained essentially that the Grim Wars come from this land. 
it comes from this land and it mm-hmm. selects the people of this land. Therefore, you have to be, they actually very specifically say like you have to be like living there essentially to have a grimoire. So there's there's going to be a whole connection. It's probably going to have to go back to portals and gateways. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm sure we're going to get, some, I, I really think we're going to get some more dwarven lore here. Yeah. But there's, there's only, there's only a, like what, a week's time of training that they could do. So something like that. Because like, yeah. my thing is like with Gruyuya, the fact that he's like, oh, I can see this, I can do this. It seems like his ability is not tied to a grimoire. And since they have like the whole key sensing ability, it almost seems like we're going to get key being utilized more in like a weaponary fashion than just being a sensory tool and that's going to be part of what allows Asta to kind of you know offset some stuff or like level up as a fighter even more is like actually being able to tap into key more um and it could be that when Yami got a hold and that's part of what makes Yami such a good fighter you know he's always been like more reliant on or having like combined key which mm-hmm. is why that even though Yami was has basically been stated to not have as high of mana reserves as like some of the other captains, it doesn't really matter because he's offsetting that with a whole secondary power system. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Alvis, I'm 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 on the fence of both um, Charmy and Yami being both somehow connected or tied to both kingdoms or both continents essentially, and mm-hmm. I do I do genuinely feel from the explanation that he could have landed in any other kingdom and found a grim war for that kingdom. I think it would have just, it's just a thing. Um, well, yeah, it's like how, you know, got a clover grimoire. And then when they went back to, which if you think about it, specifically the reason why, you know, got the clover grimoire is because he already was a potential vessel for reincarnation, even though he was from the spade kingdom. So it's like, that so like the clover grimoire isn't even actually you know technically it's technically the star grimoire is the one that's supposed it's, to be yeah his. it's actually his grimoire right which kind of goes to show you that like how hilariously op you know has been the entire time because that also technically means that he was using a magic that wasn't even his actual type for real even though he had the wind like so he was always leaning into that one probably just because he was within the clover kingdom itself Yeah, the, there, there could be some even deeper tie-in to the fact that Asta has the anti-magic and that he's always been next to Asta. So all the residuals of things mm-hmm. that couldn't go to Asta were naturally inherited to him, which just that would be a super wild out the way theory. But I mean, it wouldn't be a stretch to think that he 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 inherited extra things in a proximity of just the fact that Asta could not have them and they needed another place for that that power to it go. Actually, would make sense too, because it would kind of tie into uh because, like, as much as people like to hate on Bleach, we know that Bleach influences things, you know, uh, a lot of design choices. And even, like, the way that, like, Yuji's backstory, for example, in JJK is just very reminiscent of Ichigo's backstory, like, his full backstory of Inception um, in Bleach. Where, but specifically, there's two Stern Ritter that, you know, pop up during the Thousand Year Blood War, of course, of Hashbolt and Baz B. And effectively, Hoshvalt being in close proximity to Baz B, even though Hoshvalt wasn't showing signs of high potential or power, it led to Baz B constantly being able to level up, grow, because effectively Hoshvalt was giving him all of his power on accident. And so, yep, see, Baz and Jugo, yep, Alves knows what's up. Um, And so it could very well be a Baz and Jugo situation where 
he's basically kind of always been getting that bonus benefit. Um, yes, yes, Alves, you are correct, 100%. I need to see that holy form too. Would love to see more of his fight with Uyu as well, though. Need more I, Uyu in general, but whatever. <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys if Black Clover ever touched the ley lines. I don't think they did a, a heavy dive on like the ley Not lines of magic. Yes, but no. Like the they're closest kind of they got was yeah, the closest they got it was they hinted at it in regards to when um uh Cecil Gale showed up and they talked about the the natural lines and the natural energies and everything. And they kind of alluded to the fact that it splits the kingdoms or something of that nature. Like it's it's part of a, a certain separation dynamic between all the kingdoms and the area that's the untouched or the untraveled area in the world. But they never explicitly say ley lines. Um, and I think it has to do with the fact that there's the overlay in regards to the 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 demon world. So I think that's why they're they're kind of a little ad- adverse to like kind of jumping in that direction. But why you ask? Because like right now, like from I haven't read I haven't touched Black Clover yet. And I do like D D and I play I played a couple of games and I do like okay. I'm wondering like since like uh the mangaka is trying to put some stories from at least put some uh ideas from the dungeons and dragons concept mm-hmm. onto the story in itself i'm wondering if if they have yet are you going to connect you want to connect it with like through ley lines when it comes to abilities or in the books or do you want to touch in uh uh eternal um it, uh it, uh ethereum i think it was uh it, yeah ethereum was like the one or Etheria was like the name of like that kind of stuff in uh, fairy tale. And then like you have the gates of hells. Like there's actually multiple layers of layers of hells of different mm-hmm. gates within the Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Even even the very first thing that that Asta went through in regards to the Diamond Kingdom was basically them doing a dungeon mission. <laughs> like there's you know the, that's where you know found the the hidden magical box with the that led to the um to what's the what's her name Sophie or whatever yeah so yeah i i agree i think it's a very good possibility and i think maybe um even in this new arc there may be a possibility of us kind of stopping and and exploring that more but i think tabitha is probably kind of just loosely playing around with the idea yeah i don't know if we're gonna get like a hard committing to that which some of it you know i guess it doesn't have to be like too heavily dove into but it would be kind of nice, especially with the hype that Yuna is getting currently. Like, you know, as of like last chapter with Julius, you know, Lucius basically being like, well, the only thing I have to worry about now is Yuna. Um, it'd be kind of nice to see that. Like, I, I'm wondering if what we're going to end up getting is everybody kind of going beyond their limits here. Maybe not figuring out how to create an actual like pathway from the continent to, you know, Yami's homeland something like that because it we're gonna obviously like Asta's going to have to come back the only thing that's really a question is is are we gonna have a bunch of stuff get destroyed and Asta's gonna have to come back to a completely destroyed wasteland or is it gonna be like uh, a bunch of people get converted into angels or something and then Lucius decides to actually take on the world and shows up in their homeland because if that's the case, either way, like Rio, though, because of his power, should be able to see what's going on. 
which means inevitably there's likely going to be some trickiness to space magic or something like that that he's going to kind of be playing with because you know his eye of sorrow on power can only like there's going to be more to it like this is black clover we know there's going to be more to it vanessa had string magic and somehow ended up being a reality warper so you know yeah we touched on we touched on when the arc was wrapping up how black clover um the black bulls guild rather has a lot very suspiciously a lot of extreme unique magic um so we'll see how all of that plays itself crazy amounts of unique magic yami it almost feels like yami did the same thing julius did without the malice you know what i mean Mm. because like julius or lucius i should say clearly pushed julius into having you know having uh William because of his world tree magic and Yami because of his dark magic because he was subconsciously being guided to help enable the you know dark triads plans whereas I think Yami kind of took those lessons to heart like those lessons of acceptance to heart especially because you know he was actually a foreigner and just kind of embraced all these odd magics and that you know created space within the girl and facilitated them and which now we also have to have questions about like what's going on with Yami's body, you know, because we know that there's been some modifications to that too, as a byproduct of what he went through during the war arc or the demon invasion arc, we'll call it. Well, but yeah, that's that really all good. I got on Black Clover. So, uh, Kenny, yeah, um. I think I think I think the thing I want to see is uh, Kenny, you might need to repeat yourself. You got oh, cut off. Did I lie? Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yes. Perfect. Yeah, I saw everything just went weird. Um, I was saying I think what I want is fights. Mm-hmm. I need better fights, cleaner fights, a more emphasis on choreography. That's what I want for this final arc. I don't even care about the story as much. I really like, I want you to lean into what Black Clover is and has been and give me some quality fights while putting in the the structure of a story in the background. Uh, Don't change up the formula. Mm -hmm. Don't try to, don't try to pretty it up now at the end. Just give me, give me what it is. Let's, let's wrap this up. (laughs) That just sounds like Dragon Ball's algorithm. Yeah. Just simple story. Just however you want to get in just the fights. I mean, to be fair, that's, that's what Black Clover kind of is at times. It's very much. I mean, it's uh, also Shonen too. (laughs) Yeah. It's very much resemblance Mm -hmm. of an OG Shonen. It's definitely plays on a lot of tropes. You've always said that, that it plays on a lot of different tropes. Um, and I, and I think, uh, right here and right now, go ahead and surpass your limits, Tabata. All right, all right, we all good. From yep. there, we can go straight into uh, uh, my hero, Academia, chapter three sixty five. That was from last week, real quick. Oh yeah, because we didn't, uh, you know. Yeah, uh, it actually was a good amount. It actually was a good chapter uh, to uh, know more about Ed Shots and his ability to his quirk being thinner than a spider web and it works as a surgical suture tool mm-hmm. and him being able to stop the bleeding but yeah the whole 
that what he needs to do is basically stop the bleeding, repump his heart, allow blood to flow through to his lungs and allow oxygen to come in so that, you know, consider be leaving. Because at this very moment, you're, he's Bakugo might be brain dead or he's getting so, to be brain dead. Well, so, okay. So this is one of those things that I had a con- I've, I've had a couple conversations about. And I think part of this boils down to the fact that we are experiencing these chapters over a course of multiple weeks. But it's kind of clear that this is all like, this happened like in the span of a minute. Yes. Like, boom, gets punched, bounces. Genius immediately hurries over. We see them like rushing towards Shigaraki. All this is happening in less than a minute. So the like brain death isn't really that big of a concern for Bakugo currently, because usually you, you get like enough oxygen and you can actually then this is one of the things that I pointed out is that ironically enough, is it's like as much as people are like riding the series for this moment, and they're like, no, it was oversold and da 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 And I'm like, well, one, I'm gonna be honest and straight up say that like you guys remember when I came on air for 362, I was like, eh, I think it was 362, it might have been 363, but I was basically like the most I really want to give it is like a 50% chance that he's actually dead. I thought that if he had actually died there, it would have been bad writing. Um mostly because in my eyes you would be relegating any conversations about his apology with Deku to a flashback you would have wasted the time giving us that flashback to the second user you would have wasted the panels uh upgrading his quirk you don't need his quirk to upgrade to kill him that that's dumb that's a waste of time so like narratively that is unfulfilling um it's a good shock value death and if you look at like what a lot of people say, they're like, oh, like I felt like there there were stakes and da 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 da. And I'm like, we watched Dobby cook at least two of the sidekicks and Vernon's about to die too. Mirko has lost multiple limbs. Jiro has her ear ripped off. What are you talking about? Bro, uh, and this is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing. Cause and and I agree. And I, I tried to, I tried, I didn't, I, I didn't want to be too sappy with the moment, which is why I made like the TikToks and the little comments and stuff. But it's again, I, I had to tell I had to tell this to some friends about One Piece earlier today. Guys, <laughs> you're watching seconds pass over weeks. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're watching you're watching things on um unfold because we were talking about and we'll we'll get to that later. But like you know, it's talking about like Wano's gonna be really good to watch or read back later when it can just be binged. It's gonna hit completely different when I can I can string everything together and it's not a moment being told over two months i have read all of wano already yeah it is definitely better (laughs) see so to to specifically talk to my hero in regards to bakugo specifically i agree what why why did we want and that was my thing it's like why are we jumping to this conclusion even and then even when it was confirmed it was like okay he just said dead more times in a single chapter than he's ever said in any other chapter before he's not dead you know what I mean? <laughs> like there's some there's a lot of clear indicators of of intentionality in the way this is being told. The problem has always been people wanted Bakugo to die. <laughs> That's all it was. Yep. People hate Bakugo. This is this is all it is. And it was like, ah, he's finally dead. And I was like, ah, oh, oh, he's not dead. And I was like, I don't know why I thought he was dead to begin with. Because it's either people who hate it. Like a lot of it is people who hated Bakugo or people who were tired of Bakudex. Bakudex. Yeah. Like they were tired of the ship discourse. They were tired of this. So like there was a bunch of surrounding like ex- like outside circumstances that 
when people like watch this as an anime episode or when they like read this in avenge it's going to be like okay he tried to kill him everybody put in their best effort to save him and yeah like bakugo's fandom is annoying bakugo fans aren't quite as bad as the zkk folks from over on the one piece side because bakugo fans don't run around calling people slurs and stuff but (laughs) but i mean a lot of of bakugo fans gave up too (laughs) You know, they were also on both sides. Everyone was put into shambles. And you know Mm -hmm. what? The fact that I just said that is enough for y'all to realize how perfect it was of a choice to do this at this moment. It seems crazy, but that's that's what was needed. Mm -hmm. Now, my criticism still stands that we have been in this fight too long. We have been in this part of this fight too long especially wasting the value yeah it's wasting the value of every other fight that we've had so far and all for us to know that we're not going to end the fight here because there's no way that this is the final clash that we have so why are we on this this is my my single greatest issue with i have no issue as great right now with any other series that i'm reading not even my flame for hajime no ipo like, I literally am irritated by the amount of time that we're here because I know now more definitively, especially as he keeps revealing stuff, mm-hmm. that there is no value to us being here this long. We could have gone to another scene and come back. We could have gone to, to several other places and, and elaborated on everything else that's going on in the story because the timeline of this is in shambles. We know that it's roughly around and slightly after everything else that has happened to this far. We know mm-hmm. that Shigaraki's moment is also happening. Um, where Dobby's moment is happening. So we know that the, the timeline is converging to a certain extent. But again, why are we here still? You could have gone back to one of the other three major fights and given us some development and then come back here. Why? Are, I, I would like to have some payoff. And, I'm, and I want I, to give the Oda benefit of the doubt to the writing style here and that mm-hmm. we're going to get back to it and it's going to make sense. But I am very irritated in the moment right now. And I think it kind of ties into something that I've seen some people speculate on, which is that, like, he might have been cool with, like, leaving, like, the Bakugo story where it was and then, like, hop into another location. But then they were like, wait, you have a lot of crazy fans. And Hori was like, you're right. I do have a lot of crazy fans. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I mean, all mangaka has crazy fans. And even but, animators have crazy yeah, fans. Yeah. So it's like, wait, do I really want to leave this up in the air for a long period of time? You know, because I, I one of the things that I kind of asked people was like, how would you feel about like death threats, this kind of stuff? Because you need to realize that anytime something this dramatic happens in a story, there's people who are like, oh, yeah, death. woo!" And then you have people who are like, you killed my favorite character. And if you don't fix this right now, I'm going to show up in your walls and break your kneecaps. And it's true. Like most people are like, afraid of their own, like their life would be in danger. Again, it's not it's not just it's also not just the fear of like harm to the mangaka because that's very real, but it's also people harm themselves over these characters. You got you gotta think about um the maturity level of some people. Um, we we talk a lot about how anime saves a lot of people from like depression and stuff. And it's like, you know, when you're in a dark place and like your favorite character dies, <laughs> like it like you you literally the character you feel most akin to, the character you love the most dies and you just had like the series of worst life events ever that could have been your 13th reason why you know what right. i mean and it's uh, it's unfortunate to think about it that way but it's really how some people 
it, feel and you can't discard those feelings. It no. legitimately happened with Itachi and Naruto where somebody killed themselves after he died. Oh yeah, that's what I was thinking about. That's that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking about when I was saying all of that is that I mean we've seen it before, so it's not it's not a far fetch, but it's also again, it's not just the mangaka's safety, it's like the individual safety. And I think the mangaka's are thankfully more mindful. We talk about this. Though. There's a lot of awareness of mental um health in a lot of these series and writings these days. And, and I think the mangakas are mindful of, of things. And that was part of what really like drew me into My Hero. It was like, because I didn't really like Bakugo that much like early in the series. I was like, I respect your game. Like when you, you know, when he's on the court hooping, throwing down with somebody, I can respect that the way you use your power. Sick, love it. But bro, you an ass. And then when he got kidnapped and was like, um, dude, I, I, I'm angry all the time because I'm trying to be the best hero and I'm not there yet. Talking about Shiggy, I was like, I'm sorry. I wasn't completely familiar with your game. And then we got to Deku vs. Kachan 2 and he straight up is like, no, I am dealing with survivor's guilt from being kidnapped and all my... And I'm like, oh, so you really care about your mental, the mental health of your characters. Like, this isn't just a, a thing that's like a throwaway. Like, yeah you're you're invested in this huh Hori? yeah no I, and, I, and the, <laughs> the funny thing is uh, um conversely for me i saw it from the beginning well 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 early on and i was like oh bakugo is a mirror for for deku the things that deku don't get to experience bakugo experiences mm-hmm. and i understood that there was a two sides of the same coin kind of thing going on with them and for that reason i always really enjoyed Bakugo and I I understood that for a long time Bakugo and I told people Bakugo actually felt like the protagonist of the story for for a while um I would least, say that Bakugo least, has the shonen bad luck yeah um, I, I, I that's that's so funny I'm about to say at least he gets hit with all the critical things that a shonen protagonist would actually get hit with comparatively because like he's the one who sensei got because it's like, normally it's like, oh, your sensei dies and they leave you. And like, yes, that eventually happens to Deku. But like, as far as Bakugo, like Bakugo had Genus and he didn't really get trained with it. Then Genus got injured. Then all of a sudden Genus is just gone missing. And so he doesn't get to, like, he's the one who fails to get his license. So he's like held back and having to prove himself in all these other ways when like remedial license and stuff. And like ego failures are a thing that usually like the pro tags get hit with like these random ego checks thinking you can take on anybody like for example um long ring long island as much as people don't like it that was like luffy's one of luffy's biggest ego checks and that's partially also why i like crocodile so much he was like the first ego check exactly exactly ego checks why i like crocodile like when pro pro tags hit these walls they get these ego checks and it's like oh i guess i'm not the goat and i really need to work on that so like bakugo is constantly hitting ego checks whereas deku already like you know is down on himself so it's like there's all these random things that like you know like I said like thinking genius was dead thinking, and you know, you know you have to level up. You uh, know, so funny. I'm having the epiphany now that we're saying all of this that I liked and appreciated Deku more when he had his depressive moment, when he was forced to mature, when he finally felt like he was a human being to me, because that's what it was. I I felt like outside of his empathy and his being a good friend personality. He didn't feel like a real human at times. And I know that has to do with him being disconnected, him having to try and feel like he's catching up all the time. I understood the, the premise of where it was. 
but he really came full circle to me when he had that that dark spill and it was just like man food shower like no like i'm i'm really trying to do things here and and when you think about like the level of self-sacrifice that he was operating on throughout most of the series um it's like okay like Deku was like Deku, like it's like Deku never thinks about how he feels he's consistently thinking about what he needs to do which that's something that I understand because like I've lived that before but the thing about it is that when you get to like the overhaul arc and Night Eye is like yeah little homie I'm gonna make you work for me just so you quit and then the stuff with Aerie happens and he's sitting there like damn I'm, I'm a fraud <laughs> like I'm a fraud like that was like okay no like there's range to Deku he, and like the thing that he was still like struggling with his depression and stuff when, when you get to the culture festival like the fight with gentle and he's like no like I do empathize with you and that was part of like what was building towards him being able to say like I think you look like you need a save into Shigaraki like obviously with what we're seeing especially in this chapter like Joseph mentioned the thing about this that is nice is that Tenko is straight up basically like having these flashbacks now because Tenko and that's and that's the crazy thing is that I don't know if you noticed it but when Tenko showed up in the vestige realm with all the hands around him after the star and strike fight his hair was black and so when we first get that internal Tenko it's like Midoriya his hair is black when you look at this chapter he has now converted to his white haired self when he's like it's not like anybody would even look at me at the end this like it's, unche- it's unchecked men- it's unchecked mental health issue and so and- it, that rage is growing and this is so when we look at how all for one was like yeah i need that rage i need that anger the reason why like all for one and shigaraki are going back and forth here is because shigaraki isn't even a full person there's a part of himself that's still completely separated as tenko is going through these steps Tenko is turning into Tomura and actually leveling up to the extent where we may see like the end of Melvin back to full Tomura Shigaraki in control, wielding all for one the quirk without the personality having any sway on him, but access to the data, the memories, that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I like Hori's way of putting in the the id, the ego, and the super ego all together within Shigaraki because like we know like Shigaraki has three people in his mind, uh, mm-hmm. all for one. Shigaraki and Tenku. Uh, I think the id the instincts is uh ten is a uh, uh Tomura? No, Tenka, Tenku. Tenku. Because yeah, he's, I, I, he's, I, I, he's, he's he's a child. He never mm-hmm. this is inner child. He never grew up. When you're dealing with this trauma, and it's never unchecked, you're a, a child that has this issue that needs to help fix. The ego, the reality, is where Shigaraki himself. Is living in day by day. Everything needs to die. Everything needs to be destroyed. Everything just needs to be crumbled down and decayed. And now, I guess the new super ego, which is all for one, the morality, mm-hmm. because uh, with Shigaraki's the- personality and everything seems always so mixed. We don't even see his morale at all. I, I would even I would even argue there's a there's a constant the the issue with Shigaraki is that there's a constant wrestling of what is the ego versus the super ego mm-hmm. and so i would argue as of right now shigaraki is the super ego trying to impose himself back into the realm of being the ego so i think i think we're kind of in this like seesaw back and forth thing about like 
what exactly he, he's trying to figure out who he is and why he is who he is and why he's the way he is while also just actively operating on the current reality of where his power is which is why i would say i would even that's why i would make that argument of like the super ego right now is actually shigaraki because he's very much so just content with the power and figuring out where the power is and where the limits of the power are mm-hmm. and and i think i think this is, this is a very healthy 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 place for us to be but again i'm my, my final thoughts on this is we we've been here too long and i i said we were here too long like six weeks ago <laughs> and, and we're still here <laughs> i didn't expect us to be at this fight this long which i'll also say that the thing that lets me know that like a lot of the the disdain for the bakugo not dying isn't rooted in what's going on in the story is because we have zero indication that Deku is close. We saw Bakugo burn off, you know, part of Shigaraki's face and stuff. If Bakugo is truly dead and they don't bring him back, how do we justify anybody here living if they can't do meaningful damage? Like narratively, that doesn't make and bro, sense. And bro, Yue Higashima should fall right that here. Was, like, that was my point when we were all talking about it that time when I was like, okay, well, if Bakugo is really dead, then everyone should die now. That's the only like, that's the that's only it. thing that makes sense. Everyone in that area should die now. Everyone in proximity. If Bakugo was actually considered to be the cannon and the cannon is broken and you have no way to do anything else, everyone should die until until Deku there gets there. Another person or two should die like every single episode, every like, single chapter, because what what else is there to do? Like what else can happen? But a bunch of people dying. like at, the, at that point. He smacks everybody again because one big, one more big AOE slap, and Genius is dead. Definitely, um, mm-hmm. like, Miracle's already gung ho. Miracle's dead. Yeah, dead. look, you talking about a, a debt reversal that would freak me out? Miracle is dead. She is a head and a torso. She is dead. Man, <laughs> I don't know how you survived that. Uh, but I look. She's running on bones, literally bones as as appendages right now. Like. She is done. Some, she's some... she's trying to go. And then the thing is, people are upset about this, but that is literally her personality type. She wants to go out in a blaze. She's a true warrior in that sense, and she wants to die on the battlefield. She has no problem with that. Mm-hmm. She even like, like oh, no, I like know, I, I, I remember someone like literally retweeted the Ubla. Um, oh, oh, that was me. I was like, oh no. <laughs> Because I was like, oh, I was no. like, this is her at graduation, and it was just her who <laughs> onto the oblong diet body. You were saying before? Oh, but yeah, no, that's one of the things that's kind of funny because it's like people are like, wow, these like if the women die, like it's so shitty and did it. But I'm like, bro, the idea of one, like what we got during PLW was, I live every day as if it's going to be my last. So that when I die, I have no regrets because that's what it means to be a hero to her. So to turn around and be like, wow, I can't believe this character is losing limbs and being injured. This is so messed up. This is horrible. It's like, so you don't care about what pieces of characterization we did get that this character established. They are willing to sacrifice their limbs, their life and body to achieve the goal of being a hero you have completely ignored any narrative attached to this character because 
at the end of the day, you find her attractive and you just don't want anything bad happening to somebody you find attractive. Same thing that happened with uh, Star and Strike. Oh and then, no, the Muslim milkers are gone. I think you also have to just, I think there's a point where you acknowledge, yes, it's happening to women. And like I told some some people this week, we were talking about mangas. Um, there is, comparatively to any other series, more appreciation for women in My Hero Academia. But you're a miss. No, you're insane <laughs> to think that these uh, these mangakas that are writing for shonen, especially these male mangakas specifically, are just gonna up and magically write some of the best women characters and and narrate that the entire way through a shonen series. This is not a shonen series. It, like I mean, it is a shonen series, and it's not a shoujo series. Like there's a reason for it, and there's a certain level of inspiration that I think. Now, at the flip side of that, I do feel like we have had way more um casualty on the women's behalf but then that's not to say that there hasn't been just as many male casualties we've just cared about the women more that's i think you're right it it goes it goes to that simping factor it's like oh it's this oh you you got rid of midnight we love midnight oh stars and stride little mommy because y'all was mommy and all over the timeline mommy's gone like Mm -hmm. you know oh we we love miracle she could step on me oh ain't nobody to step on me and he like Y'all get over it, man. Y'all, y'all will be okay. Because I'm, I'm glad you said it too. I'm glad you see, saw it too. Because I'm like, bro, y'all. Because I'm like, nobody cared when, like, because you were like, well, Night Eye was a jerk, so it doesn't count. Twice and Night Eye, was Night Eye so wasn't count. a jerk. Night Eye was not a jerk. Y'all just don't. Again, y'all don't try to start, stop, and see the complexity of the story that's being told mm-hmm. beyond the surface level. Night Eye was the furthest thing from a joke. The whole reason he's dead is because he's not a jerk. If he was a jerk, he might be alive right now. <laughs> I yep. wish he was a jerk. And that's why I always tell people, I was like, look, Twice was Twice was my one of my top three characters. I I I hate it. I I put my phone down and I walked away when 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 they was like twice is dead. I'm like, they I can't believe he just did this. Because Twice and Togar are literally two of my favorite characters. And mm-hmm. I mean, like, I don't mean two of my favorite villains. No, they're two of my favorite characters in the entire series. And so, like, the Gran Torino example, like, do I think Gran Torino should have died? Yes. And then I thought about it, and I'm like, well... Did he need one, it to? Like- one of the things that Hori has kind of done throughout the series is that instead of killing people, he's killed their hero self. And that's been a common thing throughout the series, is that like All Might, instead of getting murdered, like Toshinori Yagi is alive. All Might is dead. Eraserhead, the hero, can no longer function as a hero. So we don't have an Eraserhead anymore. We have Aizawa. And we, we kind of see this kind of play out throughout the series where hero, like the hero identity gets killed off. Kind of like, you know, like that's when it goes, super ego. It's like that part of you gets killed off. Mm-hmm. And when you like, when Engie was sitting in the hospital and he was like, the hero Endeavor is dead, even if I keep doing stuff. And so, and which Endeavor lost his child beating hand, um, which I, I like, <laughs> I, I like that consistency. No, like if you go back yeah. and you look, that is, that is whenever, you see a Shoto, whenever you see Shoto hunched over, Endeavor is holding his right hand. Mm-hmm. And just like when you look back, um, the hand that Alpha One reached out to, you know, Tobinro was his right hand. And that's the hand that he got heat visioned by uh, Engie. And he was like, that hand has caused too much destruction. 
and harm. And that's when he was like, well, you would know about that, huh? Like, so like with Grant Torino though, the, the main thing that I was like, wait, and we kind of had this long conversation about it on the church where it was kind of like, Grant Torino, even as an old man was scaling over a bunch of the modern day heroes, just power level wise. Like, I know we don't normally talk like meathead stuff, which that's part of why if we talk more meathead stuff, though, I would also say that Bakugo surviving would be, or possibly getting saved, would be way less jarring for people because they'd realize the way like MHA scaling works, that if he can make those big explosions, he's going to be able to get up after taking some pretty heavy hits. But Gran Torino was a warrior. Like calling him a superhero feels almost disingenuous when you think about what he was going through and how he was like, damn, I accidentally destroyed the road one-shotting this no move. Mm-hmm. Like, and so then I was like, well, Gran Torino is kind of built different. So on one hand, I'm like, you know, that old dude could have got put in a pack and died. On the other hand, I'm like, he's earned a peaceful life. He's done a lot. So I'm like mixed. He He's like the military veterans kind of thing. Like he, even though he's already retired, he, he wasn't supposed to come back in the field. He, he chose to go into the field to help out his protege student, which was All Might. Mm-hmm. And technically he was there side by side with uh with his with his uh with her with all might's predecessors like literally yeah, if he's a, yeah nana with if he's able to keep up with nana with his just speed alone it shouldn't be too much of a surprise in power level scale of where gran torino is so yeah and i agree that like i kind of need something extra with gran torino's story though um him living it like him handing off the cape to deku and being like hey if you got to kill a dude, you got to kill a dude. I think that there's a lot of power in that moment for me, but... Yeah, so I'll yeah. say this, <clears throat> and I'll make this my last point on MHA. Yeah. Gran Torino is part of the storytelling in the, in the meta world itself. Not to us, but to the world. Mm-hmm. He is there to foresee a series of different legacies and pass on that experience we only know a lot of the things in context as we do because of Gran Torino and he's supposed to in my eyes bear witness to what's currently happening so he can indeed then tell the full story of this entire thing because I still think All Might ends up dying eventually I do too I still think he does and I think I think his that is way more impactful than Gran Torino I don't think Gran Torino needs to die I don't think he needs to suffer anything I think he's an old man who He's he comes from a completely different era of superheroing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think for him, it's it'll be a close to the chapter. And if he dies, it's gonna be in like literal final moments of like the fight. Also, like Thomas pointed out, Gran Serino did face tank, and I do mean face tank, a smash meant for all for one from All Might. So it's kind of like, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think that uh, we if we don't want every single person dead on this battlefield, this was necessary. I think some people argue, well, then why set it up at all? And I'm like, well, do you do you want any tension in the story? I'm confused because like there's there's no pleasing people who want or feel like only a certain outcome is justified. And I, I wish more people would admit that that's what they're doing, and then they'd be able to take a couple steps back and realize, well, maybe that's not actually a fair uh, unit of measurement for a story. 
but I think what we're going to get out of this sooner, and in fact, I'm hoping next chapter, we come back, we get, basically, I'm kind of expecting with this chapter being named number four, number five, the potential end of Ed Shot, you know, him finishing up the surgery, doing what he can, because like I said, like I've said before, if he's capable of going into people's bodies at the speed of sound and is constantly hitting people's organs, it would make less sense for him to be not aware of how to repair a body then it would make then it you know it's bad for him to know how to fix stuff because he had to have made at least a couple mistakes here and there like you're playing in people's organs i mean if you're like a soldier of war even the medics they're not like full-on doctors they're just trying to keep the, the thing they needed to do is just keep you alive entirely yeah. point is to keep the soldier alive not like fully cure them with a successful surgery it's just maintaining and keeping them alive and that's still oh. like and uh because somebody brought it up i was glad for the wash bubble because sanitation is important if you're going to be poking around in somebody's organs for and a sci-fi series they have to be very accurate <laughs> and for it to be a, like it's a little weird but then i like i pointed out to people when we when the chapter came out ultimately wash's bubbles were able to survive the hospital decaying and collapsing on top of it wash's bubbles already had feats that suggested be able to handle some shit. So it is he, what it is. He could do dry cleaning. Nice. But uh yeah, it was a good chapter. Uh we do know like where Hori is going. It, it's still the transformation of what uh Shigaraki's true form and body is. Mm -hmm. And he has been hurt, so to speak, that uh Ed Shot was able to see and he told Miracle about it. And now Miracle was able to pick up that shigaraki is able to get injured from that moment it, it just hasn't been um explained yet or whatnot yep. but yeah uh I, I remember uh you've talked you said this in church last week that uh tenku is the emotional side he's also like out of, he can be out of control at this very moment especially oh. at this last panel and page he have his entire family human five is the most dangerous one of the three personalities hands down yeah um like he is purely reacting to the most base like emotional out like the dude was like mirio was like you don't have friends and he was like <laughs> like tenko was gonna get everybody killed like tenko can't be saved and i'm glad that we're kind of establishing this because now what we talked about with like serino's advice it might really come full circle where he's like oh i would have been able to save you if you, if you didn't get jealous of other people getting saved now you gotta die so i mean i think i think that it's gonna be the point where deku's gonna have to try to save tenku uh, mm -hmm. because of his, his deku's stubbornness and it's likely to see that it could be uh tenku's the last person to be saved mm -hmm. Even though if he was the first person to save, everything else could be prevented. But I mean, this is a, it's a story you have to tell. But uh, Tenku was a child. He will always, he will keep having child fits. I mean, yeah, like Tenku is still a child. He's never grown up. He still has, he's faced this problem, this issues and PTSD and his problems where if it's not been resolved, you're not growing. And we've got, this is like five year old Tenku into a body into shigaraki 19 year old body right now 
mm-hmm. with a uh, other uh, the new ego of all for one hundred euro, two hundred plus euro mine, mm. and a whole bunch of quirks that you know Tenko is coming from the mindset of a person who didn't have any, so he's gonna go absolutely bonkers realizing that he has dozens of them. Also, also remember we've we've been proving from um stars and stripes that these the the personalities and memories attached to these abilities for for what is worth do exist within still yeah i think those like those are the, also included in the hands that's trying to capture tenku too mm-hmm. like uh the the many to kill the many quarks that's been stolen but like yeah, probably the main front is, is Tenku's family, but I'm pretty sure all mm-hmm. the rest of the arms are the other. And I'm sure, oh, I, I, yo, I'll call it right now. There's gonna be a callback later, and we're gonna be like, oh no, the the, the arms weren't trying to kill him. The arms were trying to save him. Everyone's mm-hmm. been trying to reach out to him, or some type of weird thing later on. Like I, I can see it right now, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not downplaying. I'm just saying, like, I can see that there's a good vision that's being set up here. Yeah, you could also like play where like Tenku trying to save himself or at least covering from the trauma or else protecting himself which uh we seeing that his emotions every time he comes he himself comes out his emotions and screams it goes in a berserk moment it's also supposed to shelter him from more of a pain in itself but yeah I'm technically good with my hero you guys yeah yeah no, I'm good uh do you guys oh. want to move on into one piece um do we want to do One Piece or Undead on Luck? Because I feel like Undead on Luck is a little easier to talk about. Okay. Um, just from the standpoint of like one, Kenny and I can hawk some One Piece to a to a crazy degree where we might want that to be towards the the back end. Gotcha. Um, but two because I think Undead on Luck is kind of these last two chapters especially have been very. Um, how do I put it? They're all they're both censored on the same topic to a, like a a heavy degree, and you no, know, let's just get into it. Let's just get into the undead on luck stuff. Yeah, you know it's looping time. So, um, I think getting a kind of an explanation about the point system was actually a pretty good change or a, a nice. Every, um, every Uma that you've killed or every rule that's been broken is considered a point, which now makes a lot of sense of why Annie's been killing left Umas left and right, even though mm-hmm. their rules, if their rules gets broken, the world gets even more in chaos and mm-hmm. more towards its own destruction as sort of point play. I, I oh, and I enjoyed the conversation with Apocalypse, you know, the, the artifact uh from like last week's chapter where he's kind of like, I'm not your friend, and it's like relax dude like basically you guys have been around each other for billions of years there's no reason to like at this at this point you can't be that hateful like i mean i mean we hateful can be lasting but at least he has some sort of common sense right all right fine like mm-hmm. we have to get this you have to sit there for 11 minutes uh this is how this works this points from andy this can all like that's how like everything's been motion all the umas have had personality um all the artifacts that have any type of um, personification to them have had personality. So I wasn't really surprised by that. 
And I just, I appreciated the consistency in the storytelling when it came down to it all. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, yeah, we're, we're playing around with this loop thing, but I know it's necessary. I know everything that's happening is very necessary. I did need Fuku to have that final bit of like tear with himself yeah i needed i needed that because it it, she's still young she's she's yeah she's still young she she hasn't even experienced as much of the fight as as andy has in this in this fight in and of itself Mm -hmm. so like she does have some things that she's wrestling with and it is a reality that she's been disconnected and not been able to participate but much like we saw the chapter before, we know that that's something that Juiz also had to deal with heavily. And we know that we've already seen the parallels given to us between those two characters. So everything for me is kind of lining up. I really did need that moment. I did like Andy kind of going over and seeing and recognizing what was happening. There. I was like, you haven't, you haven't forgotten what we are here for. Like you ain't, mm-hmm. you're not really thinking like you by yourself in this. Like, come on now. So I thought that was all beautiful. I really liked it. Uh, this wow. chapter this chapter is probably the end of the stalling finally mm-hmm. so we're gonna get a couple more chapters and loop is gonna thing but we talked about time earlier passing in a series i am deadly afraid of 10 minutes and 30 seconds have passed oh, and i was like oh man. my oh, no. god every we're 30 seconds have, a chapter no. we're gonna have we're gonna have a minute a chapter it's gonna be 10 more chapters <laughs> before we get out of this 10 hey minutes. remember that dragon remember dragon ball how they all that fight and that's all time within a minute Five yeah, minutes. This is this. <laughs> so yeah i'm a little worried about that i do appreciate that you know we're getting to see all these like people interact though it looks like some of the negators are already gonna like because where everybody's around the world it looks like under and some of these other folks didn't pull up but i'm worried about like top because it looks like top might be dead um fighting seal um billy and ruin are still going at it and so there's a bunch of variables into this that i'm like okay obviously since we're supposed to be heading towards a loop things might be you know whatever it's not going to be that big of you know we're not going to spend too much time on this fight so there's like two different ways this can go we quickly handle these next 10 minutes and instead of focusing on the fight with uh god we save most of that for when they confront god in the next loop or we get to see a bit of what god can do and andy gets to save that information and pass it on to fuko and they get to be you know coordinated but the thing that i'm kind of curious about is that I do believe Unjustice should work on God based off everything he's done in the story. I genuinely think Unjustice should work on it. I mean, we now see the physical body of God itself, and it's pretty nasty. I I, I was like, yo, I, I'm getting a little sick, and I was eating while reading this chapter. Like, someone get some Neutrogena or some kind of acne medicine kind of thing. I was like, oh, God, what the hell? So it's funny because his design is basically that he's born of a sunspot. Yeah. But then he's got all these blotch and boils and stuff. And it's like, so it's like, all right, we finally get to see like the form he's taken, no genuine facial expressions, which this does kind of put away the is Victor partially God theory, but eh, we can deal with that. That's okay. Um, because, you know, now we're getting the Andy versus Andy and Juiz standing against God while all these other battles. And I guess one of my questions is, do you guys actually think we're going to be spending too much time on these other battles, or do you think we're going to 
kind of just go straight into this conflict with God. Because the way I look at it is, you no, set this up for Jewies to die. Yeah. Um. So we have to get a proper death for her. And I don't know if spending a bunch of time on like Chikara getting killed and Top dying and all this other stuff. Did well, Top? I think Top did die. He was yeah, the one think, in the armor, and yeah, I yeah. guess. Um, I'm saying like if we were to like stretch that out and like have the whole fight that led to Top dying, it could turn into like too much, you know, pe- too much of killing people off. Mm-hmm. Whereas I could see that, I could see Top and you know Unbreakable and Shikara and Billy happening to exist in the next loop. I don't expect Juice to get to live in the next loop, or a version of her to pop up in the next loop. If that Do- makes sense. Yeah, I get it. Cause God, like you know, I'm gonna erase you after 99 loops. You've been escaping me this entire yeah. time. Maybe if I get if I could get rid of you, no one there'll be no one else to like get in the way of my own with Ragnarok and all that stuff like that. I do see a reunion fight mm-hmm. happening to come all this because like why else where um, the old man uh, trained the soul and. Uh, the uh the family everybody else it's like literally it's you can either say every each and every one of them are in either in a fight or living their final moments with their families or just like we know this is the end we can't get there on time so let's just enjoy this like a whole rogue one ending like like we did it we completed our mission now let's just Mm -hmm. um die peacefully like this and whatnot it's uh i also can't see remember they also explain the ghost almost not ghost uma but like a uh, soul mm-hmm. from unsick or yeah uh, i'm unhealthy. thinking like so unhealthy so with fuko all she needs to do is stay on a chair what if her own soul could come in she can use her unluck into this fight while technically her body is still sitting on a chair and still waiting on that 11 minutes time limit kind of thing that would actually be a nice um like bring back yeah because we know that because one of the things that kind of threw me off is, uh, is you know, Apocalypse is like, yo, we don't need any unluck down here. But I was like, well, it looks like Andy managed to avoid touching any skin directly. But at the same time, that like it would be kind of nice if as God is approaching, you know, there's no un- more unlucky scenario than like fighting God here. So I kind of feel like any stroke of unluck that could come into existence is going to be directly tied to Andy fighting God anyway. And so we might get to see Andy, you know, do a parts bullet infused with his soul, launch that into God, and then we see somehow like a stroke of unluck happen. And then that'll kind of give us a tip off to how effective Foucault can be against him in the future and what that will entail. Because one of the things that I also liked about this is that the story of Juiz and Victor is definitely wrapping up here. Yeah, this is their last loop. Because Victor re-manifested just to be like, give all my points to Fuko. And then went right back away. So I think Victor, after this loop, is going to just be done. And I don't, and that's part of why I don't think Juiz is going to be in the next loop either. I mean, I feel like Juiz wouldn't be Juiz anymore after the next loop. Yeah, like you said, like we never really had a whole uh, confirmation if what if Julie's never sat in a chair and she doesn't come into the next loop and we don't see her mm-hmm. kind of situation? She she was just always there for the next loop, for the next loop, for the next loop, for the next loop. 
but yeah, 4.6 year, billion years is a very long time. And Victor has been going through 4.6 billion years every 99 loops. He's already done. He's ready to get the rest. If you just assume that each time humanity gets to, well, the the one we saw with Juiz and Victor, it looked like that loop might have wrapped up around the 1800s. So I guess not all of them go the full like four or five billion. But just knowing that realistically society has been around and doing all this stuff and, and like Victor's exists. I think actually Victor might have given us the exact number. Um, I... I know, hold on. Let me go back real quick. Just because I, I thought he might have mentioned, oh, yeah. Um, 100 or 400 some billion years is enough because i think he said it when he was telling juiz to quit yeah that threw me that threw me off 450 something uh billion years yeah 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 yes and he said 4.6 billion years well he was talking about how long he's gonna have to wait yeah yeah um, that's yeah, further, yeah, further for how much back. he's gonna wait you guys keep talking. I'm just trying to go back and see if I can find the conversation between Victor and Julius. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Kenny, I'm back uh, from the shadow. I'm back from the shadow room, y'all. So yeah, <laughs> we were uh, <laughs> talking about like how this fight with God gonna be like. Uh, I say it's like Foucault's soul kind of thing, or in a way where her body doesn't leave the chair, so the living man can still go, but she can still get involved in the fight. It's just her soul and unlocked parts to touch. Yeah. Andy. I'm I'm very curious because I'm like, Andy's supposed to be on the loop, so Andy has to leave the fight. So, oh, oh. son, look at son. <laughs> oh no, it's because Andy doesn't have to leave to like survive the loop. Yeah, He's and, just I, and be I, stuck living I, on the destroyed so world. I re I realized that when he then said the four point six billion, I was like, oh. He's literally not going on the loop. She's only going on the loop. Mm-hmm. He's literally just going to exist for that entire period of oh, time. And I found a number. Uh, Victor said 99 loops, approximately 455.4 billion years. Alves is wrong the point. Alves said that in the chat. <clears throat> but yeah, yeah. Because it's, yeah. it's the multiple iterations of it happening. So if you think 4.6 roughly 99 times and it, it it i guess it technically does it is it does it shorten each time slightly or something like that so yeah it, it makes sense yeah so like so i guess whenever that person which also kind of means that the game with god doesn't start until the looper lands because you know when andy because like, or Victor was just chilling when Juiz landed there, and there was a bunch of dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you know he was having to fight a bunch of Umas and stuff like that. So it seems like it's like, all right, you get looped forward. Once you land, boom, game's on. Go find the Book of Apocalypse. You find the Book of Apocalypse. First task: do this, do this, etc. Um, which we know that they're supposed to be landing in around like the 1860s or 1800s now. So we might finally also get the explanation of the 1865 tattoo. We, which... also, we also know that Foucault will not be aging if, if the person the person that going into loop does not age into the next loop. And it would be cool to know what happened to 1860, but then I feel like Andy would still have his memories. Mm-hmm. And like 
I don't know how crazy Andy would be. Like, you know, all these bad stuff that happened throughout my entire years. And I'm already doing a reloop. Why don't I just fix everything on top and just wait until Fuko just comes in here? Like, literally after the entire loop where Jules ends up is back into her seat. Uh, number one seat and everything. What if Andy just basically placed everybody into their own seats and individual of their numbers in the moment? Just like, hey, we've been waiting for you. Where you been? Yeah, I, I can see it. You know, him being like, all right, you're here. Because, you know, one of the things that Juice was invested in was anti-aging tech. And now we know that that wasn't for her sake, but really for her ally's sake that she was making those investments. For example, like uh, how, you know, make it like Shen was like 100 years old, it seemed like, or something like that. Or, And so it's like some people had access to the tech to help them not age as much and others didn't. So I don't know, it's kind of fascinating in that one. Well, so it's, uh, his, he has a crackpot theory that since they fought the Umas for the quest before, the dossiers on where to find the Umas are just info. Juice has from previous loops. The rabbit hole never ends. I could see it. I mean... I don't... I have reason to disagree, but we'll see. But yeah, like, Umas have their own personalities and has their own... Uh, in, in their own mind but god somehow but it's god that's what's manipulating them and um turning them into uh assholes and evil and doing all these destructions and stuff like that because we've seen umas they didn't want to harm people they didn't want to harm humans they didn't really want to go and fight just god's just being a dick and just manipulating each and every one of them to do like wreak habit and destroy the world and increase ragnarok and all that bullshit do you guys feel that uh, with um, Unruin, him to be the whole uh, God's uh, right-hand man kind of thing kind of been easily thrown out too, too early? I think you might be too early on calling that call. Too early? All right. Because like, we know this fight with Billy is still going on and like his whole like happy oh hey my god's here my god's finally here the earth is mm-hmm. done kind of shit yeah i think i think there's still some things to be said and to be seen with that and i still stand by i think um a certain type of assimilation might need to happen so i wouldn't be surprised if uh if there needs to still be some type of interface it, it, to me uh sun or god appear to be asleep still like not full power kind of thing he's just he's just yeah yeah just looking at that last panel's image you just you know what i mean yeah there might be more stuff that needs to happen the more like also even more learning about luna i'm guessing luna really is the kakia because she's the moon and like i guess now we know god's the sun okay now everything makes sense it's like yeah she's been living a long time seeing this entire loop happening as well and i guess like She's just helping Earth or helping the people of Earth just trying to live or survive. Yeah, Alvarez, uh, Tsukiyomi too is Amaratsu. Hm. I mean, that's how I see Luna. Like, literally, like, you look like you're like Kaguya with the whole, like, the whole, Lu- and your name is Luna and all that stuff like that. And Luna is one of those things in the story where 
I want to believe we'll get more out of her, but I feel like she's gonna not be, or I think feel like she's either gonna exist as an enigma, or the next couple chapters are gonna be more about Luna than they are about God, or it's gonna be Luna's more or less perspective on God. Actually, I I wouldn't mind that. Actually, it gives us more answer about God itself as well as learning more about Luna as well. Uh, I don't know the whole Luna and God's relationship couples. I don't know. There was a story of the sun and the moon mm-hmm. in relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this before that love and and these pairings play a big role in the way this story is told. So it could all it could all boil back down to some original love from the cosmos. God's body looks a lot smaller com- compared to the sun. And then yet when the moment when God appears onto the earth, it's a whole entire porous well, giant. You got to remember that like a couple hundred earths can fit in Jupiter mm-hmm. and a couple hundred Jupiters can fit in the sun. So if something is the size of, isn't even the size of Jupiter necessarily, let's just say like with the size that God is emanating, and it looks like just his hands are like on the earth, he is still ridiculously massive. So like the, the sun comparison, it's like, he looked like, if anything, he probably shrunk himself down a bit so he could play around on the earth for a little. Since, you know, he's got the ability to make negators and all this other stuff anyway, it would make sense that any ability we've seen uh somebody have he has some variant of it you know yeah i, I definitely because I, I just remember like it's earth heading towards the sun and the sun is where god is and it wouldn't be too surprising if the sun is attached to god's back and we have this entire thing because we because comparing it to other giant umas as well they almost look like the same size as god before now it's it's always a fight between a giant, a giant, more than like a whole one-on-one human size kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. We'll see. The um, clocks begins ten minutes thirty seconds. I, I hope we don't get a planet dynamic situation out of this. But this, this ten do, minutes, this ten minutes is about to be a whole arc, bro. It's gonna be its own arc. <laughs> but I, I do want some lore drops and stuff like that. I mean, like, while well, he's explaining the story, oh, look, another couple more minutes has passed down. We just see the whole entire fight splash. And then there's a narration of Luna explaining God. I, I'm, I'm fine with that. that. That'd be fine. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like let, let them fight while we're talking, which is the entire point of why Fuku is not joining into this fight, even yeah. if she wants to. Yeah, I mean, most of the 10 minutes could probably be resolved in the next chapter. Um and then like the last like minute or 30 seconds be the chapter after that and the loop actually happens so there's 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 multiple multiple directions that this can be taken in so we'll see what happens it is the final arc let's just really see of how uh we're gonna end this so all right let's move on to jjk 196 and 197 all right so real quick pull up the jjk chapter just because I like to have the chapters in front of me as we talk about them. So, I'm going to be honest and say that I find some of the abilities presented interesting. 
but I'm not sure how I feel about the execution. We kind of talked about this earlier where I feel like a lot of stories could not get away with this. They won't. And I don't think that it's necessarily written in a way that it's super special, like, ah, this is peak writing, so we can do this. I just feel like people are just giving it a pass. Because I, the way I look at it is, it's like, I don't understand in what world Naya, while actively wanting to kill Maki, would let her go inside this domain and sumo wrestle this guy, regardless of knowing the rules or not about it. We know you can enter somebody else's domain. It just seems odd to me that he would, you know, like, let her do this. And the overall benefit is kind of insane. Uh, Because, like, the power-up she got is nuts. And I'm trying to figure out if the implication here, because we got, like, a hard calc on how fast Naoya was. Um, We were told that he was hitting Mach 3. And so I'm like, is this super, is this sumo wrestler, like, fighting Maki at Mach 3? Is that why she's able to casually react to and, like, do the stuff she can do now? Nah. So so here's here's what it is. And I kind of alluded to this when we talked about it last time. Maki gained abilities and as a result, suppressed skills that she learned. She spent a series of fights tapping back into her natural way of fighting. And like she even admits is like I gave up on like, you know, old me would have just lunged in there with with this and this and this. And it's like, yeah, because you have all of this ability to air quotes now see you sacrifice the things that you learned in the process of not being able to air quotes see. So what what really it is here is my understanding anyways is it's not that she's re it's so ultra instinct is mm-hmm. more so you reacting in the moment at the finite second with the least amount of energy. What Maki is doing, so remember we talked about variations of a domain. Yep. She basically is using the entire atmosphere as her domain. The entirety of the world is her simple domain right now. And essentially she can she can feel all the subtle shifts. So it's not like she's reacting. So there's obviously like, you know, speed is distance over time. It's not that she's reacting um, fast at the last minute. It's that she can feel all, all of the subtle changes from a far distance well in advance and is moving herself with the flow of those changes. So think about watching a boat go through water and the ripples it has. You don't just keep getting drawn into the boat, right? If you stay close enough to the boat, you're going to get pushed away by the waves that it makes. And I think that's what she's actually doing. She's just being moved by the natural way that the rest of the world's um, energy is basically happening. And that's what's causing her to, to be able to react. And it's like, it seems like she's reacting really fast because of it, but she's reacting fast because of basically the, 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 the numerator, the distance is actually what's being manipulated. She has so much more range of feel essentially. And she doesn't need to react um, to, to move as is she's being moved and pushed already naturally. So for it's almost like it's like Gojo's ability of infinite where you can never get close, mm-hmm. but almost a, a inverted, like a, a negative polarity effect of that same kind of concept. 
or maybe or maybe another way to look at it is gojo's ability is a passive ability and maki is using it as an active ability see and this kind of ties into what i was saying earlier too then that uh gege needs to just be straight up about this and acknowledge that maki's heavily restriction is some form of technique that has passed through the the Zenin clan because if toji was doing this if she's able to do this this goes beyond the scope of you get enhanced physique in exchange for uh no not having cursed energy because i don't remember if you got i don't know if you guys remember this or not but mahogara specifically had a uh sword on his arm and when sakuna yuji blocked it he says oh this is a blade of positive energy if i were um if i were like just in a cursed form it would have immediately exercised it so he's basically like yeah no this the sword that mahogara has is an auto one shot on any pure cursed spirit like if you're made of cursed boom you get one shot by that blade and my personal speculation for a long time has been Yuji's body is the way it is because he's hacked and gotten the same benefits of you know what the heavenly restriction would be from being tinkered with by Kenjaku. So he has a heavenly restricted body without the restriction of being incapable of using cursed energy, which is kind of linked to what I talked about when I said that like there's kind of like that bleach influence within the way of Yuji's origins where it's clear that he's designed to and like you factor in that he's got sakuna within him which mirrors the uh the hollow white he's got you know the ability to tap into that cursed energy which you can say is like the energy of the hollows and then he's got you know this holy body this heavenly restricted which is basically like the quincy power so i kind of want gege to like just be clear about what maki's ability is and have some form of acknowledgement to it maybe give us a flashback to when they talk to um, who's old boy that Kenjaku wants to eat now? I'm trying to remember his name. Um, what is his name? He's being protected by Yuki right now. Tengen? Yes, there we go, yeah. Tengen. Couldn't remember his name for the life of me for some reason. But I kind of want Tengen to acknowledge more with you know the people like this because he's like oh toji's ending is like this anomaly but if toji and maki have this ability it can't be that rare within the zenin clan for somebody to have it just like how nabito and Nalia have the same ability and i do and yes alvez like you mentioned a flashback with Nalia and toji specifically would go a long way to kind of explain what's going on with these abilities here and like because the regard to which Naoya holds Toji is fascinating considering he sees Toji as an equal to Gojo even though Gojo killed um, Toji and when Gojo did get that battle against Toji when he was like the final one he was largely in control of that and obviously part of that is just you know Gojo hacks and purple being a busted ability because Toji felt, actually, if you look back, Toji was like, oh, yeah, I can handle red and blue just fine. 
now that I know how the these mix, things work. The mixture of purple. It was, is what yeah, it, it was yeah. purple straight up creating a black hole in his body that basically made it where it was like, oh, well, never mind. And yeah, like the, the now your inferiority factor, there's a lot of stuff that I want to see get kind of delved into because it would explain more of what's going on, especially in this fight. Because right now, like for me at least, it kind of feels like things are a little too convenient surrounding Maki. And I kind of like between the getting, a, you know, a swordsman mentor and a sumo mentor or whatever to help her like tap back into her regular like fighting abilities and really branch out. Because having like a thousand fights is like a crazy amount of experience to get within the scope of a minute. Like this is, and I'm like, you don't, to me, it feels like we're doing a lot to justify her winning when we could have just not made Nalia this fast or something like that, which would have taken a lot less hoops to jump through and given us a more natural progressive curve for her to reach that height of Toji, whereas it feels like we're clipping ahead and skipping steps to get there. Or even, why did she lose that ability? Why would she have not just naturally known? what She should have just been broken. This fight should have happened and she should have zero to one, no shot at him, essentially. Yeah, like... It's something to like balance it out just because however like, however be, i think i think it was necessary i say that with 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 agreement but i also think it was necessary and and it was it, it was just a different way to show us the way that she sees the world and she herself being the only point of comparison for that mm-hmm. i was gonna say like maybe it's um during the time with the whole zanin annihilation she could be running out emotion, I guess, after this time, after some time, and I just concentrating on the mission in itself. And I do kind of wonder if, because, you know, like after, the, like around the Zenian Annihilation story arc, that is around the time, I think it was like at the end of that when Gege went on that break. And so I kind of wonder if some of this stuff might have been on the table to get integrated into that arc but then it was expedited just like if now really has domain expansion it's kind of weird that he didn't use it against uh maki back then so it's like okay well maybe he didn't develop this until he was a cursed spirit but we don't know which of those is true and the fact that now thought of himself as on the level of gojo and toji or was like constantly like i'm the one who's going to stand at that level would strongly suggest that he would have had at least a maximum technique back when he was fighting Maki, and yet we didn't get that. You know what I'm, you see what I'm saying? What, like, wasn't his only maximum was the whole cutting time of one to twenty four, and he was the only one that can actually no, no, no. do it this long. A maximum is something. Um, it's like the Uzumaki ability that mm. Ghetto has. It, it's a. It's bigger than that. It's like the ultimate like embodiment it's basically like using a domain level attack outside of a domain so that's that's the part that confuses me is that and it could just be that you know the fight with Nalia and uh maki was cut short yeah i will say my my interpretation is one of two things it it happened so fast there was a lot of undermining of maki and he just wasn't able to or it wasn't a thing. I feel like that's the only two explanations. Either it wasn't a thing before, or Maki just was being slept on so hard and so underestimated, and the, the denial of what was going on 
by the time he had already received the level of critical damage that he had received from Maki, that doing it wasn't possible. So yeah, that it might have been that. I just yeah, there's which I did feel like Naoya was wasted when he was killed back then. Mm-hmm. But I wanted more clan politics stuff, and we're not going to get that obviously because of the way uh, factions have been broken down, and mm-hmm. you know the Kamo conservative seat has been wiped out. The Zenin are gone, and Gojo is the only real Gojo member clan. of the Gojo family, and mm-hmm. he's locked up. So, and somehow the family, the Gojo family, are back together or something like that to rebuild themselves. Yeah. It, it, it's just already going to be changing the hierarchy of who the top family is in general. That's that's absolutely fine. But I guess it's the whole like if they had Maki, if they, they didn't let Naoya do the whole mock speed thing and just be still be getting his ass whooped by Maki. Mm-hmm. I think it wouldn't make too much of a sense. So that's just, it would make his appearance, like his return, kind of irrelevant in a point. Because like it's like, oh, you're back for vengeance. All right, cool. Yet you're still not as like you didn't really have a power up. You're not as strong as Maki. You still can't do it, and you're still inferior. Comp- inferiority complex got the best of you, and you are. You you he's a basically haunted spirit, like a full a vengeance spirit kind of thing. And the one thing about this that I'm actually like kind of really worried about is that depending on Naoya's domain can't be one of the ones that it makes sense for it to be. Like it can't be an auto hit domain unless um, the simple domain version that that one guy has is going to somehow cancel it out because otherwise if it's truly like one of those auto hit ones he should immediately be able to and based on everything we've seen from um the katana guy he's like was that an ayakashi that i cut (laughs) he's not gonna have he shouldn't have simple domain any form of countering curse or domain Mm -hmm. tools he's just a regular human and the thing is like i I just refreshed, I just rereading and I just saw that even for the sumo guy, the only way that you can activate his simple domain is both people need to agree to sumo fight. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's even, why, and that's even why he, if asked, you, he asked Katana guy, that's why he asked him, is like, would you like to fight? He has to ask every time. Mm-hmm. And like, even if he, he does activate the simple domain, time, like less than a minute goes in within the 100 bout. But what if it's more than a minute outside for that domain expansion with Nalia and stuff like that? So it doesn't, it kind of traps you in there in this own entire place. Mm-hmm. Nah, there's about to be some weird goofy thing and they're about to learn how to maneuver between dimensions and use that as a way to get Gojo out of the, the seal and all kind of, I don't know. Um, because it, it's, it's interesting, like you said though, Aniki, because like, what does that really imply? Um, my because think about it. What would Naoya's like if I asked you off the top of your head, what would Naoya's sure hit technique be for a domain? What would you think it is? I mean, he he really very he really rely on he relies on a speed way too much. I mean, it so, could be it could be an auto target, which would then still not matter because it would it it the same effects would still apply to what Maki's doing to him. Well, that's the thing though, is that 
do you remember the part of his ability that would make the most sense to be the auto hit though? In regards to his original ability or like yeah, like in, in regards to his curse technique. Yeah. Wasn't that the I, whole blood, the blood, the blood uh, circulation, the blood arrows and all that stuff? No, no, no. You're, no, no. It, no, for now, yeah, it would be turning you into a panel. Yeah, I was about to say, mm -hmm. how is he gonna turn you into yeah? I was like, how is he gonna do the real thing? Like that doesn't make any sense. So, like, because what the thing is is that if none of these characters, none of these characters should have a counter for that. Mm -hmm. So if you're stuck in his domain, he should be able to instantly turn you into a panel. The whole so, you the whole domain would be the panel would be the concept that I would think because like you know, think it's like he touches you with his palm same thing that uh, Mahito was doing yeah so uh, if you remember like the mm -hmm. Mahito's auto hit and domain expansion was basically like all right you're in my domain that means I'm touching your soul and I can manipulate it at any time which means that if Naoya has an auto hit in his domain the logical conclusion wouldn't be for his domain to just make him really fast it would be for it to automatically just turn you into a panel so you could just smash you repeatedly and you wouldn't mm -hmm. be able to do anything about it. Damn, the phantoms, the phantom zone. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that, that, no, because, because like, like when you started explaining, <laughs> just stuck in the whole panel, we just, I was saying, even if you're just getting automatically hit, even that doesn't necessarily make that much sense. So I, I don't know. It could be, a, it could be, a, um, like, he's not a gag. What if, what if he can't fast. domain expansion? What if he's dead? What if it, it was domain expansion and it's a dud and he just dead? <laughs> that, that, that's, ba that's basically how I felt when the whole triple domain expansion. Oh, they all cancel each other out, so we don't know what they are. Yeah, I really am tired of these chapters ending in domain expansion. I'm not going to lie, though. My, my thing with that is that I feel like he's trying to make domain expansion the next Bankai, and it's not going to happen. <laughs> um, I mean, but, like... It, it made sense to me because of why now I choose now of all time to do domain expansion because I, I get a callback of during season one of JJK where Nanami and, and Yuji were beating up mm -hmm. Mahito. Mahito was like, you know, what's this feeling? It's the feeling of death. Like my life is in danger. It's so exhilarating. I'm actually getting stronger from this. And like I've unlocked uh, domain expansion. I feel but, like it's the same. But situation. also, why why aren't you killing him? <laughs> why did you guys hit those series of attacks and not kill him? Well, why didn't y'all make sure that he was dead by with those attacks? He should not be dragging this fight on. Well, and that's the other thing too, is that like why didn't she, like she kicked his head off after he got cut in half, and then they didn't follow it up and like finish dicing him up exactly and, and it's like they were like oh i guess you might be dead and then he pops out of the bottom half which i, I will say that was fascinating my, my true body or the okay so the original dead body for some reason it just it looks the same well and that's the thing too with this is that based on his character design like this is like a it's like he became a cursed wound then there's like a secondary cursed wound phase mm -hmm. and this kind of reminds me of which again another bleach thing it reminds me of like the, yeah. the yeah, the, or the, specifically the Menos Grande, like the Menos Grande into the Yahuchia, into the Vastolorde class. And Vastolorde was the ones that were like super humanoid. And you kind of have a similar thing here happening with his design now, where it's like he went from, you know, the, the standard like Menos look, where he was like, he's been looking less and less. Well, actually, let me go back to uh, his first transformation real quick. Just it was cause... a giant, it was a whole giant worm and weird giant face in the front kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah, it, it really kind of was like a, a Menos Grande where it's like this giant 
face like you get a face but it's mostly just like a blob or like a warm body and then you get his transformation into something that's like in between the two because you get like the more humanoid face attached to the second stage and then in the third stage he's just full humanoid again I guess the way I kind of look at this is like if we're seeing now you consistently advance similar to the way hollows level up that's fine which the other thing about this is that if you one of the things that Naoya was doing was that he was touching air into and panelizing all the air and then turning those into bombs too. So that's why I'm like, what what's his domain going to do? Is it going to be like Megumi's where it's going to basically just kind of be similar to Sakuna's domain where it's just one that's layered over reality? Are we going to have something that's kind of like a similar? Because to me, Naoya is vain enough. It could be a self-boost too, because Hikari's right. domain That's, is also a self-boosting kind of thing. Because Hikari's auto-hit is him getting the jackpot. And that's part of why I'm like, okay, what is going to be the domain here? Because he's already at 3.5, so it could his domain just be a, I'm going to make myself even faster? Sure. It'd be a little weird because I feel like he would have developed that domain before becoming a cursed spirit, but maybe not. Maybe he's going to create like a domain he's, on the He's just the youngest child from like the, the high powerful family. And like, remember, technically he wasn't supposed to be the head of the, the family yeah. clan. It went to Megumi because of, um, I guess, like the hierarchy or the more like they don't trust each other's family, but they could just... There was a... Them. A, a whole deal signed and made between like Toji oh. and Gojo, right? As along with, um, so like Naoya could have been the head if Gojo hadn't gotten sealed. Also, looking back, like his biggest form was definitely like the worm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this is definitely Kamir the Menos Avucha Basto transformations. And now he's back to his base form. Well, the, that was the thing about Vastalordes is that they were the most humanoid. Mm -hmm. That's why people always assume that when Ichigo fully holified and was utilizing White's power that he was a Vastalorde because he was that was like the most uh, humanoid they got. And that's why um, if you look at, if you remember like Stark's backstory and some of the other ones, like Grimjau was a Jaguar, Jaguar hollow because he was an Arucha before he became an Arankar. Whereas Stark and I think Ukiora, um, Baragon, they were a bit a lot more humanoid in shape, even if they were still monsters, you know, like, like with Baragon's case, like, you know, thing, yeah. yeah, like they still trans so like when they transitioned, it was different. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I think that has a bit to do with this. So that's what I'm trying to see what's going on. But yeah, um, I guess that's the biggest thing that I'm interested in now is what is going to be the domain for Naoya because it can't be an auto, it almost can't be an auto hit one or there's no good way to write Maki winning now outside of somebody just randomly interrupting the domain like if Kamo has one or Noritoshi since he's no longer a Kamo well we won't find out until two weeks because JJK is on break Comes back, he comes back with heat after these breaks. So here's the hoping. Uh, I'm kind of good on JJK. You, Kenny? Yeah, I'm good. All right, let's move. Okay. Uh, 
I know Aniki's uh needs a little break at the moment, so but we can go redhead and oh, oh, oh yeah, there no, go. we're good, we're good. I was just dealing with something. Oh nice, cool. Uh one piece. Ten fifty nine, the first chapter of its new arc after the four year long Wano arc series. Alright. One so, piece. A lot. A lot happened this chapter. Like where all right, so first off, I ain't gonna hold you. We, we might have to do a little <laughs> might have to do it by a couple pages at a time because it really was a lot of different things. I'm gonna start with the cover story real quick. Just mm-hmm. we're gonna keep it simple. We're gonna go from the beginning on. Um I've seen people like kind of freak out about the category oven thing. Um I'm not tripping about it. I think that it's kind of clear, and I'm pretty sure they even said that. Caesar was using like a hallucinogenic gas. Yeah, it literally says volume 18, Caesar's hallucination gas. So I'm like, wh- wh- why do I care that Katakuri and Oven are like knocking each other out when neither one of them is at their best? They're literally out here tripping. Like, there's no reason. So it- it's like people are like, oh, Katakuri fans, like this is looking kind of rough for him. And I'm like, no, it's not. Dude is hallucinating. I don't care about somebody getting punched in the face while hallucinating. Yeah, he's just, they, they don't know what's going on. And Caesar is not there trying to make them fight so he can do something. He's just trying to escape. And um, I don't know if you've seen the popular discourse around it, but basically the idea that we might be heading towards a Mads reunion of the science group. Um, I don't know about a Mads reunion, but I did think that Vegapunk needs to show back up. But I haven't seen too much discourse. Or rather, I've probably been avoiding the discourse because uh, as I like to say, I am a very, I'm an anti-fan in regards to One Piece at times. Anti, and not in the regards to the series, but in regards to the fandom. <laughs> very much so, uh, not always on the same side as the, the One Piece fandom. So, but no, I, I, I think, I think, I think, I hope that we stick in this direction where the so, setup currently is. But yeah, like I, I, I think the idea of like Caesar reuniting with Judge is fine. Um, I don't think we can get a full Mads reunion because I don't think Vegapunk would like realign with these people. No. But I do think that the potential for maybe like Queen to randomly like get picked up off a ship or something like that is totally possible, especially with um, Germa now being kicked out of the world government if they want to potentially raid the ships, which we also, from based on what uh, Green Bull said, he might have actually just straight up killed all the Beast Pirates that were there. But I'm going to be honest, that's not exactly a very One Piece thing for Oda. To, like, it's not a very Oda thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see them raiding a ship and then getting Queen, you know, trying to do some stuff with him. So... That's kind of where I can see that going. That's why I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not mad at the mad theory. I, I I like it, especially with you know what we got revealed this chapter. What were you thinking? Uh, just the first three pages with Marco and Yamato and that stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say so. So the um, I love uh, one thing I love about the way this chapter is written overall is that Marco takes us on a journey across a series of points tying everyone together. Um, and this is very important because one, he he does play a very significant part in everything that happens uh, throughout the, the the conclusion of the Wano arc itself. 
So it was nice to one, we was like, oh no, you know, we didn't forget about Marco. He's still here. You kind of maybe was wondering what was his purpose. And so from the Marco interaction, we see that basically it's this journey of Marco leaving, right? Um, Marco is, is flying off. We see this first page is an interaction. Basically, again, part, part we're kind of like recapping basically from the beginning of Wano, go forward, essentially. Um, and Marco is leaving Shanks and them because we know that we left off um, previous chapters with Shanks basically like, all right, it's time for us to go for the One Piece. So we have this whatever mysterious conversation that happens and Marco is like, join your crew. <laughs> I couldn't deal with you guys. Your your captain is insufferable. <laughs> uh, absolutely not, right? And it's just funny because you go over to um, the next page and you have um, another another person essentially denying joining the crew in, in Yamato. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a parallel in regards to that as well. Um, going back to what we um, understand, and I was telling some friends this earlier, is we kind of already had the understanding. And I, I was always of the impression that Yamato probably wasn't going to join the crew. But we have a doubling down on the fact that this island belongs to Luffy. Um, this yeah. island is under the protection of the, the Straw Hat banner. Um, you have essentially Yamato going, hey, 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 hey. You won't claim me. <laughs> you won't yeah. make me part of this crew. However, let's be realistic about this. Because Yamato is smart. The one thing that that is is kind of sneakily shown throughout the whole time that we get interaction with Yamato is that uh isn't isn't super naive and is is, is fairly clever and quick on the uptake with things. Um, very good at looking at people's personality and studying them, i.e., trying to be someone that they're not. Right. Mm-hmm. So Yamato is able to pick up on a look in order to 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 be able to continue to defend this place and until um until he gets to a point where he can be a shogun that's strong enough to defend defend this place by himself i'm gonna stay here under your banner and protect this island i'm gonna figure out ways to get stronger and it works out really well um like i was explaining to my friends as well because yamato doesn't exactly have a bounty you know what i mean so there's this no-name person who one that gives yamato the ability to build up their own reputation but also going under the banner and the protection of um luffy and being someone who you could say is you know i would say in the caliber of the sanji the jimbei the zoro as far as fighting strength is concerned i'm gonna be honest and i'm gonna say that for me this kind of seals what i had already thought which is that Mm -hmm. i personally still had yamato over everybody in the straw hats yeah i ain't gonna hold you yeah it's 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 a it's a very it's my bias wants to say not maybe stronger than zoro but we don't have a clear gauge of Zoro's strength based on the fact that he was basically injured the entire fight. But Whoa. I would, I would be, I would be willing to say that Yamato is more is Yamato land more blows on uh, our boy Kaido. So off of that alone, <laughs> off so, of that alone, <laughs> and that's where I'm at. Where I'm like, first off, Yamato was straight up like, "Nah, Kaido, you're not leaving this roof. Come on, we fighting." Like Yamato canceled out a blast breath. Yamato was using advanced conquerors hockey before Zoro figured it out. Mm-hmm. Yamato didn't seem to have a limit on you know advanced conquerors hockey, whereas Zoro is still kind of working through that, having to yeah. deal with the drains. So now, like, I'm about to say now, now to be fair, his advanced conqueror did come in relation to the cursed weapon. So there's again, I, I yeah, feel like so the explaining where Zoro is right now in and of itself is a little finicky. However, comma. I think just going, as they like to say, based off of feats, 
Yamato would be now the second strongest person on the crew. And I don't think that's something like it, it's the same thing with uh, Jinbei where I was like, no, Jinbei is stronger than Zoro and Sanji around Whole Cake Island. I was like, no, it's very clear that he is. Mm. Like, even when you look back, so it's like now that once he joined, I was like, cool, they're both stronger than Jinbei. He will, Oda is never going to deviate from the monster trio. So anytime somebody shows up, which is funny because one of the big things the fandom was doing was like posting these memes and they were like, no, the new monster trio. And I was like, you guys are saying this to like slander Sanji, but you're ignoring the fact that Yamato, like if you're using advanced conquerors hockey as the metric, she's way better at it than Zoro. And mm-hmm. she's got the mythical zone devil fruit, um, mm-hmm. just all this stuff, which she has the guardian deity mythical zone for Wano specifically. So right. it, made, it, it was inevitable almost. Like, Yeah. I, and the thing with Sanji is, so much like Chopper and land with me if you're if you're watching now on a replay land let me let me land but stay with me sanji's true power is never properly grasped from any of the fights that are observed or documented for the world government no that's just they do not have a true grasp of his power what his power is why his power is all they know is sanji won a fight essentially Mm -hmm. much like we know Chopper is probably in the top five strongest people, not including Yamato based off of this discussion, but on the ship is probably a top five powerhouse on the team. However, he's never, he's never getting that recognition. Ever. He's never going to get that recognition. It's a gag. We're going to continue to be the cotton loving uh, pet of the straw hat. That's like, it's, it's literally a gag that's going to continue running, but much to say the same. There are some slight implications here where the the things that Sanji and Zoro had to do to win their final fight isn't something that's being put into consideration in regards to their their new bounties and such. Yeah, so no. they I think that they're even stronger than what their bounties are entailing. Oh. Jinbei is is in a realistic spot because Jinbei's been established more or less, right? So his notoriety is just increasing based on the fact that he's attributed to um the Straw Hats now. My stance is that Jimbei's bounty now is finally catching up to what his portrayal what it, what and feats have been. Exactly, because like when he was when he did the you know shoulder throw, soaked big mom, and then was like vagabond drill, get off this boat, ho. Like, <laughs> it, that, that that's some stuff. And like when you think back to like Marineford when he was actually capable of blocking one of a attacks, mm-hmm. like. Even even in the flashbacks, the flashbacks are from Fishman Island. Like they really tried to keep selling us on. No, y'all y'all don't get it. Jimbe was a fiend. <laughs> like yeah. he was a monster. Like Jimbe fought Ace for five days straight. It, it and Ace is weird to scale, and I know because of the way hockey was being implemented into the series back then, and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. But like it is what it is, and like with with Sanji especially. What a lot of people, what I, what I saw that was kind of funny is that people were like, oh, Sanji got his victory on a cheap shot, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, what Oda showed you there was, is that the second Sanji went so fast that um, Queen could not perceive him, it was a timer where either Queen was going, like whoever stopped moving or gave themselves away was going to lose. Mm-hmm. And the second Queen made any noise, he lost and the thing with that is that Sanji had the ability to put Queen down he just needed his location that was it 
So it wasn't a cheap shot. It was you're invisible and now I know where you are and now I can just end this. Yeah. And, and, and it, man, so people also, the, the monster trio each had to sacrifice a lot in this fight. A lot. You can literally argue um, Sanji less of a physical debt but his mm-hmm. debt was even more scarring than everyone else's debt, in my opinion, because it was the reality of him facing everything about his existence. But they each basically had to die to get their power up. Or they yeah. had to face debt in, 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 in the ability to utilize their power up. And that's really crucial. Again, these aren't things that are factored. And when, these, when the three of them are fully healed and are, are better mastering this power, they're way stronger than what is being alluded to right now. And like Alves said, is that one of the things that Sanji did was sacrifice one of his dreams. Is it a dream that I like for his character? No. But is it still something that we have to acknowledge because One Piece is a story about About dreams? dreams. Mm -hmm. Yes. We have to acknowledge that even if it's something as petty as a stupid gag type dream, to be able to like sneak into the bathhouses and stuff, he did give that up. Mm -hmm. And with Zoro, it was like, Zoro... I wouldn't say Zoro necessarily had to give something up so much as he had to realize that he had been kind of stunting himself. Mm-hmm. And so he like had like a, a and that's, of- that's been a theme of Zoro through the entire of Wano. He'd been holding himself back. He'd been a little reluctant to do certain things. He had been limiting himself. And this was my point before when I said, I personally felt that Zoro was stronger to, than Luffy prior to Luffy getting power-ups in this arc. And I felt like um, my bro disagrees with me because he's, he, again, I agree that the point is Luffy needs to be stronger for Zoro to acknowledge him being stronger so he can continue to be his second in command. And I do fully agree with that point. However, comma, straight up power feats, Zoro had scaled to a point and no one was really there to check him. And I didn't feel like Luffy progressed that much from Whole Cake Island. That was my personal perspective and take on things. And I think that's because Zoro was capping himself. I think Zoro has to acknowledge Luffy. And then Luffy ascended and he understood that Luffy had to ascend and he understood that he had to ascend and he realized, oh, I was creating these mental gaps basically. And I am not this type of person. And that's when Chopper was like, look, I, you can do this, but like, it's going to hurt you. And he was like, when has that never been the case, basically? So he kind of like returned back to his origins. And part of it is also like the, the from Watch the Throne, what's a king to a god anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like Luffy is a god. It doesn't matter if Zoro has, has King Taki or not. Luffy is a god. He's mm-hmm. moving on a level that is far beyond now with anybody in his crew, what Yamato's doing. The only people who are going to give Luffy any issues are going to be other Yonko or maybe some Adam. Because mm-hmm. personally, I feel like Shank saved Green Bull, not the other way around. The look. And I think, I, bruh. Because, like, the way the. Because Luffy could have fight still. He wasn't 100, but he was fight ready still. And, and the way that, like, Zoro, Sanji, and Jinbei okay. were posted up, like, oh, I guess he's left. Like, first off, the fact that their their observation hockey was far enough that they were observing that and able to be like, yeah, okay, this is what's going on. Shank saved Green Bull. Because if they had decided I, to get but in I, there... But you, know, but you know what it was, right? The, the Marines still needed to be kept in check for a little while. Yeah. 
and, and the Marines need Green if, Bull for if, fights. Yeah, later. I'm about to say if Green Bull had gotten taken out on top of everything that Luffy just did, the entirety of the Marine, because I think it's twofold, right? The entirety mm-hmm. of the Marine would have had to mobilize on Luffy. So yeah. in, it, it was protecting Luffy, but not on the surface level that I think everyone else thinks that it was protecting Luffy. Yeah, no, like, because it's like, if you think Luffy, Zoro, Sanji, and Jinbei wouldn't have had the smoke for that boy, you are very mistaken. And it's worth noting that, like, when Yamato whacked that man in his head, he was like, yo, that's some, that's some good hockey. What's going on here? And then, <laughs> specifically, Yamato was instructed to not fight back. Momo specifically instructed Yamato to not fight back. Because if Yamato, like, while being wrapped up in the branches, had just transformed into the wolf form and shot ice breath at him, w- freeze the forest. That's an issue. And that we know that that ice breath could match Kaido's Boro breath. Mm-hmm. We saw it happen. So there, it's just at least of comparable damage. And if Momo's Boro breath was doing damage, come on. Bro, that even even the clashing because we saw what happened from the the Kainu fight and that mm-hmm. clash. Like if they both were to attack, with the come on now, mm-hmm. Green Bull got saved. <laughs> Short version: Green Bull got saved. Let's let's be real about what happened there. Green Bull got saved. Um, like, um. So yeah, like Yamato being the guardian of of Wano is going to be fine. The upside to that too is that. This means that any remnants, anything like that, Yamato's going to get to get some extra battles in, some clashes of hockey, you know, some chance for Yamato to still progress in combat power and stuff like that. And so possibly have some new moves when we see Yamato again. But also, we know what we saw, you know, Yamato do, being able to stall Kaido for a while, endure some of that. That's likely going to be the direction that Zoro and Sanji are going, where they're both going to be on that level because we know that that monster trio dynamic is going to be maintained. And it's similar to how, um, you know, you see what happens here in this chapter with like Yamato being like, no, I'm still a part of the crew. I'm just keeping this place safe. I, just, I want to, you still got to still call me your crewmate. And like Luffy's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I get it. And I guess this is way more reassuring. So, Take care of them mm-hmm. and just remember, you know. I think so. Now, as we as we transition to the next couple of pages, um, I think it's important to highlight um the conversation one that Marco has with Jinbei, and the conversation that Marco has with Luffy, because mm-hmm. um we was talking about this earlier, um and it's it's kind of pointed out to you here very explicitly. Luffy never had a chance to talk to Marco. This is the yeah. first time. That Luffy and Marco have ever had a conversation. Um, so he's saying thank you. Um, he's acknowledging him, giving him the acknowledge that, like, like yo, Whitebeard ain't here to say this, but I'm gonna let you know as somebody that knew Ace, like, I'm I know this man would be proud of you, bro. As somebody that's not even like directly connected to you, I know this man would be proud of you. And then we see a, a interconnection of Ace being a uniting point here for, for Yamato for Jimbe, for Marco, to Luffy. And now as we go into the next pages is where, you know, Yam- um, Marco keeps flying is another point that I keep saying is like, I really feel like somebody else crucial to Luffy has to be affected going forward into the next series of things. 
we found out that Sabo was indeed free. And I was like, oh, well, then, dang, who's it going to be? And we yep. now progress to the, 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 the but, meat of this chapter. <laughs> but, but there is something I wanted to talk about, too, in regards to that Ace comment. Because if you remember, oh, yeah, yeah. Marco was the one that he was like, we've considered pulling up on Wano multiple times when um, Ace brought it up. Mm-hmm. So it like brings that kind of full, that flashback kind of full circle where full you circle, know, Marco right. was like, I mean, Ace, you, you kind of right. And then, you know, Ace went and did that. And so it's like Ace, we got that flashback with Ace. So it's like, to a certain degree, while Sabo has the fruit and carries on his will, by Luffy taking down Kaido and avenging Odin and freeing Yamato, he is carrying on Ace's will. It is his will, yeah. So it's the like will, the will of fire, if you will. <laughs> but you're right. It's time for the the meat. Which do you want to go like because we because it starts with like a like a goofy scene and then we kind of transition to the flashback um because you know they're like oh it's been a while since men have been up in here like that and we got mm-hmm. all this damage and you know boa hancock's like maybe i should leave which is just her trying to like shift you know the target like stop amazon lily from being targeted for her which mm-hmm. with the way this was resolved we'll see how that goes but the weeks yeah. earlier, like us getting the flashback to when they raided Kuja, the island of the Kujas, which mm-hmm. I do like how we've been kind of going around the horn and exploring different warlords. Like mm-hmm. Buggy mm-hmm. got promoted, so we spent some time on Buggy and the Cross Guild, my boy Krakow. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're covering Amazon Lily and the Kujas, which means that we should get it, be getting an update on Weevil soon. For as much as anybody cares about Weevil, right? Like the the thing about that will be just he's probably killed somebody. But getting that like weeks <laughs> or earlier, he's dead. <laughs> yeah. If Oda killed off Weevil, I'm gonna be mad as hell though, because I'm gonna be like, what was the point of this? Hey, we'll see. But I mean, I I could see it being played off in a way. He does like to write debts off screen, so yeah. So what we get now is what they've been cooking. The Seraphim Pacifista. And one, the fact that they had like two of them ready to go for the Isle of the Kuja. I know some people were like, oh, well, it doesn't seem like they sent one for Mihawk, but they sent one here. What's up with that? Simple. Mihawk was chilling on an island full of baboons. The Kuja are an army of fully trained hockey soldiers. They all have at minimum armament and observation hockey. This is effectively an island of vice admiral level fighters. Mm-hmm. Maybe some will be a little weaker than a VA, but this is basically an island of like rear admiral, vice admiral level fighters using hockey. You needed pacifistas to take this island. You're not. That's part of why the Kuja don't get raided like that. Not only is it because you oh, know the calm belt, but stay to hide in the first place is like we don't want no smoke with you. <laughs> yeah. That was always the thing. Like, and so, which I'm also glad that we got a confirmation when like Blackbeard was like, "Oh well, I'm gonna move on this power." I. W- 
most of us thought, oh, like, like we're going to pull up in Wano. There's going to be some kind of ancient weapon. What's going on here? And it turned out he was pulling up on, you know, Amazon Lily. This, this man out here trying to catch them all. But I, I knew he had to go after another power. And it's so funny because, like, I didn't think about I didn't think about it being a power, and I will admit that it was probably very misogynistic in my head. I didn't think about it being a power that he himself would look for. However, I always acknowledge that her power is one of the most broken powers in the universe that we've been introduced to. It, well, is, it is God tier, basically, of, I don't uh, even, of fruit. I, I won't even say that. I don't think it... I'll give you the, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt here. because I want you to, I don't want you to assume you were being misogynistic here because in this case, everything about like Hancock's power is portrayed to be like attached to her beauty. So under no circumstance, we sit here and be like, teach going to go after the, the beautiful fruit. Especially yeah, no, when- I, but I think, I think even still, that's still me being guided in that direction. And I, I, I take, I'll take what it is for that. Cause I don't, I think it's been my own naiveness of it. Because you could still have a beautiful man, right? Would he not be able to to do the same thing with those fruit and the power? Abilities? Well, the question is: Is do we consider like do we think that within the scope of One Piece, Blackbeard is considered a beautiful man? I mean, and that's I guess that was what Boa's point was, right? It was like this fruit ain't gonna do nothing for you, fat, <laughs> like, <laughs> ugly, <laughs> so ugly. So that's why I'm like it, it does. Because, like, a lot of us thought, like, oh, because, like, one of the things that people were like, oh, maybe he's going to, um, Marco was a lot, a lot of people's speculation. Like, he was going to kill Marco and get the Phoenix fruit to offset the, you know, the increased pain factor of having the darkness load you. Mm. So there were fruits and things that you could think of, of him moving towards, like, the idea yeah. of him trying to get an ancient weapon makes so much more sense to us based on everything we know about the story. Yeah. Than the idea of him moving for Boa's fruit, not and because of a, and abilities, to do with Boa, abilities, but just that, because of what an ancient weapon is. Yeah, abilities that push you to that narrative, and abilities that push you also in the direction of being complementary of something. Like mm-hmm. Boa's power is very isolated; like it doesn't pair in a in, you know it doesn't pair with anything. I mean, it might pair with the human human feud, I guess. Now that we know that's what it is. <laughs> um, which even further justifies uh, mm-hmm. being the wife of uh, the future king of the pirates. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I think, I, like I said, I didn't say it in a, in a way to be baseless about it, but mm-hmm. in the sense of like the way that we were being guided, I fell for that hook, line, and sinker. Oh, yeah. Because of the way that the narration was portrayed to us to this point. Um, but you did say something, and I do want to swing to it, but I want to go real quick to the end actually the okay. fact that the other empress was on the island still caught oh. me pleasantly off guard because i wasn't really thinking about that and i hadn't really thought about her and her legacy in regards to everything mm-hmm. so it was like oh you y'all like again to to, to kind of and the reason i jumped to the end is to kind of go back to the point of like y'all really was trying to pull up on this island bro he was really trying to pull up on this island? Like, y'all crazy, man. Y'all crazy. But uh, we also know that Kobe's intent there, his individual, and I, I'm, I'm sure we'll double back to this, but we know Kofi is a more straight shooter of a person. He can be a little ignorant with, like, like following the Marines and stuff, but he has grown into himself a lot, which is why he has 
you know, had his opportunity to become a captain, to become the the hero of the Navy, whatever, whatever. Um, and and it, I think he genuinely was there on some good faith in his brain. Was the yeah, rest no. of his team there in that same good faith? Probably not, but he himself was probably there on a lot of good faith. Um, oh, definitely. Because, like, think yeah. about this. He's, I think one of the best examples of this, though, is and is the slave arrow barrage hitting all the Marines, turning Helmeppo to stone, um, turning Vice Admiral Yamakiji to stone. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, like, when Momoga almost got turned to stone, he stabbed himself in the hand to, like, override the the effect. Mm-hmm. And Kobe, without having to injure himself, apparently, or anything like that, managed to avoid being turned to stone. And so yeah. it's like... Yeah, so people one, people keep talking about Kobe ain't got no feats. There y'all go. There's a Kobe feat right there. <laughs> oh, man. And we get what, what Blackbeard says here, which I really need to know more about the Rocky Port incident. I'm tired of Oda not giving us the details on this because what Blackbeard says to Kobe here is crazy. Yeah, I, I, as you were talking about, I was like, oh, let me go back and look at it because it, it was definitely he was he was. He, I mean, we know Blackbeard's out of pocket, but he was real, real out of pocket because he's basically like, you help me out, Kobe, and it's like, what do you what do you mean? What do you mean you you, you what y'all 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 partnered before? What are you what are you talking about? Because and my stance was always that Law and Kobe didn't fight. My stance has always been that more than likely Law and Kobe worked together because Law set up a bunch of pirates so that he could mm-hmm. get his warlord seat, mm-hmm. similar to what Blackbeard did, which is why, you know, the idea that Law might end up going to Pirate Island and having some interactions with Blackbeard isn't too far-fetched to me. Whether or not they'll strike up a temporary alliance or something like that remains to be seen. I could see with the reputation that Law, like Law Kid and Luffy have now, I don't see them being people that Blackbeard is jumping up to fight. Mm-hmm. I think so, that they're rep- like, just like how Rayleigh was able to basically coast off of Clout and Blackbeard was like, eh, I don't know. I mean, I think so. So going even back to that interaction with uh, Blackbeard and Kobe, I think Kobe's response is also really jarring. So he says, all caps no don't the human cost is too great like i literally paused and i was like again it was like yo what happened before what do you mean the human cost is too like what do you what do you get i mean obviously you know we're thinking about like the crew and everyone that's changed to stone etc etc but then it's also like again you know to blackbeard's point it's like well if that's the case, I got killer, right? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, if, if that's the case, what what other option do I have but to kill her? Um, and this is kind of like a play on Marineford to a certain degree, because you have Kobe standing up to Commodore, so Admiral Teach, just like he stood up to Akainu and being like, yo, dog, we don't need this this like there's enough destruction if you do this a bunch of people will die unnecessarily including his own allies like teach was ready to sacrifice vasco shot and katarina devon here and that's also part of why i don't think uh that that let's kind of lets you know that 
when people say like teach might be the new rocks i'm not necessarily opposed to it because his mm -hmm. his ship is the saber of zebek um kaido and linlin both talked about how pirate alliances end up betrayal a lot mm -hmm. and we've seen teach be ready to cut tail and run multiple times where in this case i mean his whole his again, whole legacy is betrayal at this point yeah so it's like is he's basically willing to betray them right now just to make sure that she can't turn him to stone just to make sure that nobody else gets that power. He was so willing Alba's, to sacrifice at least two of his commanders right there. The 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 notoriety of what he does. And I think that the thing about Blackbeard's crew is Blackbeard's crew also knows that he will sacrifice them, right? That's like the unique thing about them. Now, the thing to keep in mind here is the events that happen here. Remember we said there's a reason that, oh, well, not we said, but a lot of people speculated that there's there's a reason that Blackbeard wasn't exactly at Wano. And now we know why. Based off of what we know, when Marco appears, the state that everybody is in, that means that everything that happened there happened while it was happening on Wano. Yep. So now you made the point that his bounty is bigger than at the start of Wano. Yes, we've been in Wano for a while now. Like it's, it's, I think it's, people forget Wano. It's it's been a long period. It's not just been like days. It's been like a Wano long is not of time. only one of the longest arcs, like reading week to week. Like it's 150 chapters, which I think makes it the longest post time skip arc, possibly the longest arc in One Piece. Mm -hmm. But it is also one of the longest in story timeline arc, like of an arc, because Wano actually takes place over at like a month. Right. And a lot of One Piece arcs actually take place over a couple days. Like Dress mm -hmm. Rosa is only like three days. Mm -hmm. Whole Cake Island, like the time they spend actually in Whole Cake is only like three or four it's, days. Yeah. It's, it's basically like two days. <laughs> it's like I'm actually like doing stuff on Whole Cake Island. It's really like two days. The only reason, yeah, because the only reason why I was giving it a little more than that, but no, I think you're right, is because there's a bit of this there's like when they show up and they fight the army of the millions mm -hmm. which is like the first day and then they end up escaping in, everything in almost everything woods. else yeah almost everything else that happens from the seducing woods to um katakuri is literally the same day because the seducing woods is a 12-hour fight mm -hmm. they get through with that uh which this is another one of those things that is why I hate the YC1, YC2, YC3 scaling. Mm -hmm. Because it took Luffy, Cracker, or Luffy, Nami, and, you know, everybody was kind of doing whatever they could to help to beat Cracker. And that still took 12 hours. Whereas Katakuri took 12 hours and that was just Luffy. Yeah. So I, I've always hated that scaling system yeah, that it's, people have in their heads. I, I like that it. and I, up until this year, when Queen fought Sanji, we had not seen a YC2 fight. So it was a pure headcanon. Pure headcanon form of scaling. Sick. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I, I think, <laughs> yeah. I think Whole Kyle, I think Whole Cake is literally a three-day arc. Because I think it's the 12 hours. They rest a bit with uh Capone yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't thinking about. I wasn't thinking about the, the rest. It actually might be four days because there is that. I didn't think about the rest period, even with Capone and them. Mm -hmm. So it might be almost four days. You're correct, but <clears throat> still, 
not a whole lot of time. Yeah. Like it's this they spent more time on traveling um, Zao Island. Yeah, Yeah. I'm about to say everything that happened prior to that took more time, basically. So Mm -hmm. but yeah, again, it's cool. Um, we also get I really want them. I I Oda, I know you're probably not gonna do it, but I really need you to elaborate on why. Or how exactly the nullification effects of Blackbeard's black hole actually works? Yeah, is it just the moment he touch it? Like, what does he have to touch their neck? Because you notice it's always like a touching of the neck whenever you've seen it happen. I need a little bit more um, of um, anything, and I, I like the neck and the voice of blah blah blah. We ain't gonna go into headcanon with that too deep. I just want some more explanation about the way it actually works, as in regards to the nullification aspect of it. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I, I think, uh, oh. I, feel, I feel like I skipped something in there. There's actually a, um, cause you brought up the nullification, but there's also an important question. Cause I just noticed something, um, cause we don't see the Mihawk pacifista again and like everything is stone and we see, you know, those interactions or whatever, but mm-hmm. We know that Boa was able to use perfume femur to turn Pacifista into stone because she does it during the war or during Marineford. And she, there's a part where uh, Kobe, like you see her winding the attack up mm-hmm. as Kobe's telling the Pacifista Calling to stop. it off, yeah. Yeah, and then we cut away to Blackbeard having her while some of the Kuja are still active, but Vasco shot and Devon or Stone, where it may be, I'm not going to say for sure, but it's kind of suggested that Hancock beat the Mihawk Pacifista. Now that I'm looking at this. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a, I hate this because it's, it's like, there's a gap. And it felt really weird in reading too, because it's almost like a page was missing. I'm, 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 I'm literally, I've been flipping back and forth between the two, three pages, because you see, you see the pacifista in the back as Colby shouting, mm-hmm. you know, the order to stop, right? And then, then you go to the next page after the perfume, right? And it's, it's the interaction with everyone. That that pacifista is nowhere to be seen. Which, in of itself, because at that point, even if you don't find Teach attractive, if he has, if perfume, because perfume femur is just, I can kick you and turn you into stone. Mm-hmm. So even without being a beautiful man, the ability to like turn anybody who comes into contact with you into stone might also be a really good way to offset um, people hitting him physically. Mm-hmm. Which also then gives further credence to the fact that advanced conquerors hockey specifically creates a barrier so that you can do damage without physically contacting the person because then it turns the number of people who could maybe fight teach or get a a, a nice slick hit in it goes from you know anybody with high enough speed to exclusively people with advanced conquerors hockey yeah if you hit me without touching me you can't fight me so I don't, I don't, I know, I don't want us to stay here too much longer. And the, the yeah. next couple of uh, pages are like, like wrapping up it. 
you know, we get the reveal that Kobe's been kidnapped, which I think is super relevant. We finally have a oh, tie. Yeah. We have a tie piece now that is telling us essentially what Oda wants us to know about the next arc, which is which... what I was hoping. The Marines, Blackbeard, and Luffy have to interact on some level or degree. Also, a potential still for seeing some type of interaction with the the army um the revolutionary army and we know that there's going to be a tie into that and vivi and everything so we've got two big setups that have happened we we don't know for sure but basically what we were told is luffy is going to one of these two places next mm-hmm. um and it could even be that he's going to the island um blackbeard is going to be on the island there as well and the revolutionary army blackbeard and luffy are the ones that ends up clashing and the marines come in afterwards and now like all the pieces are in the same place as once um we have a potential for fuller hate island or pirate island to be the next god valley incident with this mm-hmm. and that's that's because... exactly where i was going with it because if you think about it that could be cross gills showing up that could be the marine factions clashing we literally could just have this big incident looming and in the background if you think about it garp is highlighted as working with roger at god valley mm-hmm. no other marine is mentioned mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we could get garp being like i'm not officially a vice admiral anymore anyway I want the smoke. I'm going to go fight Blackbeard. Mm-hmm. And Luffy. And so we could get. Or even or even Garp time. going to Sabo to challenge him on the fact that he, you know what I mean? Like, it, like he, he could be going to. Char- it's so much different directions. Garp. See, so that's what's kind of funny is that we know that Garp in canon hates celestial dragons. So Garp finding out Sabo was alive and then finding out that Sabo is that Sabo from the Goa kingdom and then seeing him raid the celestial dragons isn't going to mm-hmm. upset him it's like when i'm pretty sure we saw garp get the news that luffy punched a celestial dragon and he laughed mm-hmm. so it's like we have the the setup here where we could have the old men plus the straw hats because what I really would like to see is I need the Grand Fleet to get more action in the story, like to actually matter. Yeah, I need him. I need him to do something that calls upon the Grand Fleet in some form. Because, and I need to of, see everybody. I need to see everybody powered up. I need. I need to see their new bounties. One of the things that irked me, and that will probably always irk me a little bit about Wano, is that it was public news that Luffy was being chased by Big Mom to Wano, from what I can tell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you telling me none of the Grand Fleet made their way over there in that month? Yeah. Like, your boy was... Now, we know, we do know, we do know that, um, we do know that some people went on their own missions. Yeah. Um, some people returned, like, the, you know, the Giants returned to the Giants um, land, and a couple people had their own missions. We know Bartholomew was doing his own thing on, on the low, um... I don't think we ever got any explanation of Cavendish, but we know that the 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 unit itself is more like a call to order. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're just innately traveling together all the time. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just saying, like the fact that none of them went, oh wait, we should probably pull up on Luffy, especially because his V in theory his V card would have started fading. After I mean, he got one shot by Kaido. I mean, yeah, I was about to say, I was about to say, you would think that that would have been alarming, which that could be. 
they could have all be coming because of that now and just got the news. But it's also it is also very possible that the government was doing a good job of up until that point censoring the dissemination of that information. So some of it may have been more so rumor than it was well well known news. You know what I mean? I guess hmm. now we're kind of in more in the speculative aspect of this chapter because I guess one of the questions is: Do you think that Vegapunk and replicating, which also I guess this is an important question too, is like what makes you think what like what do you think is the reason teach knows about the Lugier? variants bless you sorry about that thank you um because you know like we know that blackbeard does like to do research and stuff and mm -hmm. naming your ship the saber of Zebek tends to suggest you know at least about or have hints to the god valley incident and know about mm -hmm. rocks pirates yeah and even that even that panel bro <laughs> yo we, me and me and some people were cracking up about that the way he addresses him he's like hey you <laughs> he's like hey you the, the cabin boy i was like damn that's some real disrespectful language right there mm -hmm. you got real quick i was like you know really knows this man's name but he was like ah yes you the the peasant boy from back then what, what do you think you're doing bro what, what are you doing what are you doing and that was a very um Another, it was like on the level of obviously, like you, know, you talk about the parallels with this to Marine Four. That was very much so on the Shanks showing up and telling everybody to stop fighting, kind of tip. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it was a good bluff because specifically by calling him Whitebeard's cabin boy, it like reestablishes almost this dynamic of like, don't forget that I've, I've been superior to you, and mm -hmm. it kind of cashes in on the fact that teach was there when you know they had the fight and negotiated for odin mm -hmm. he would have seen you know rayleigh fight odin evenly or whoever rayleigh was fighting mm -hmm. during that fight with whitebeard's crew he would have seen all that and been like yo that that dude is a beast mm -hmm. and and the one thing we know about blackbeard he ain't fighting no fight he think he ain't gonna win that's one thing that have, they have told us consistently he he yep. picks he picks his fight on the idea that he is going to win without a doubt. So now he's in a position, that's the whole reason he invaded when he invaded. He's like, no, I can take Boa. And then to see that the, the basically there were more pieces on the board than he had expected. That was why he had to was like, all right, well, I will back off now, but not without taking something with me. And that yeah. something was something that obviously you're not going to take somebody from the island. So he took, he took Kobe. And like, it's worth noting that like Blackbeard seems to have blocked a mountain level slash with just armament hockey. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I don't, I'm not, I don't think Blackbeard has to worry about the pacifista because you know he's like, wait, you guys lost this. This is also why, like, I think the pacifista are good. I think they're very powerful, more powerful than like the average vice admiral based on what we've seen. So they are a legitimate weapon. I, I, but I kind of place them as like. Yoko command Yonko commander like type fighters where I don't expect them to necessarily be beating any Yonko or defeating an admiral but I do think that if you mess up against these fighters you can take a real injury because that, that was one of the things that I think Kaido highlighted is that if enough commanders are jumping you you're still going to take some damage and that's kind of what I'm seeing here with 
you know, if, a, if enough of the right people in the right tier are attacking you, even if you're stronger than any of them individually, it's going to be a problem. And I'm kind of glad we're keeping that. At the end of the day, one P Oda's kind of saying, you can still get jumped. And getting jumped by robots ain't what anybody wants in their day. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm here. I'm looking because uh, I'm looking that final comment, right? There's that final comment of that's so strange because I could swear one of them looked identical to our sister as a child. Mm -hmm. I really need to know more about that. I feel like I'm missing some of the context of what's being said here. And I, I know it's the reason that the former empress is, 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 um, you know, made to be seen here, but. Well, it plays into like how this is like a baby Mihawk, right? Right. So it seems like all the warlords um, and people who were experimented on, their DNA was stolen and replicated. Mm -hmm. And we already knew that uh, Germa had access to cloning technology. Mm -hmm. So effectively mm -hmm. what we're seeing here is and, and then the, the again, the Germa, Germa. the Germa implementing that into child. So if they could incubate a child, raise them with those abilities, and then enhance them to the point of being, yeah. And if you remember, <laughs> um, and it's funny because a lot of people thought that the, I know you ain't no Lunarian line from Queen Sasanji was going to be about Sanji having Lunarian DNA incorporated mm -hmm. into him. And that could still be the case that, you know, he managed to replicate some of the Lunarian genetic code because DNA is data. But what it was really setting up was that the peak of this engineering, the peak of this cloning technology, these cybernetic enhancements, all this other stuff is going to be these pacifista. We have clones of the warlords. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know. Also, if you've seen people also talk about notice, it. notice the skin tone. So it could be yeah. mixing in them, mixing yeah. in that DNA this as well. Is, like these it, are, you know? these are clones mixed with lunarian dna mm -hmm. that's why it was like what queen was saying wasn't about sanji it was about these pacifistas we're getting right those are the lunarian so we, we took lunarian dna mm -hmm. from king back like 30 years ago saved that on file stored that somewhere started taking that dna and mixing it with other stuff which mm -hmm. when you think about it like it's easy to be like oh yeah and we should have known that this was possible that King's DNA would be integrated with things after we came to understand that devil fruits are replicated through lineage factors. And mm -hmm. we know that Kaido's devil fruit back all the way back in Funk Hazard was introduced mm -hmm. and was a copy of that. So it's like, we've had this precedent already established that we were going to take DNA from Kaido from these other characters, make a devil fruit out of it, do whatever. And we and now that, know that, that, compati that compatibility issue might have been why Sanji's powers didn't bloom in the same time frame as the rest of the siblings. Part of it is like not having that suit on. Mm -hmm. I also think that specifically, though, him having emotions lets him better tap into and have access to hockey. Right. So it, it, it inherently increased his ceiling. And his siblings may have been made with Lunarian DNA. Like him, like they, there might actually be some of that there. Because it would kind of help with justifying like the fire powers. Mm -hmm. um, it would, and like him being the only one with emotions, being able to have access to the full range. It all mm -hmm. works. It's just 
we don't know the full specific like uh, specifications yet and like how we got here but it's all pieces of the science we've seen throughout the story literally from from the beginning to now like just literally piecing it all together because we have the laser beams so the artificial devil fruit replication which we don't see replication of the meadow meadow i don't Mm -hmm. know if that's because the he didn't feel like that would work well enough with the pacifista or if it's more like uh a... maybe maybe there's supposed to be certain levels of like like similarity but like uniqueness to them so maybe it just isn't necessary for one of the ones that we've seen so far the question that i do have too is that if they have kizaru's fruit replicated did they replicate uh boa's fruit into this pacifista or did they consider that to be too dangerous because or maybe there's conditions. Maybe there's conditions that need to certain conditions need to be met. Maybe it's more than just a sample. Um, maybe there's something else that needs to be met in, in order to get it. Or maybe they took the sample because we we kind of know a little bit about how Boa got it, thinking that the power was in the sibling and it was actually in Boa, and that's why the pacifista doesn't have that ability. So they don't actually have a sample of. Boa's um, DNA, spe- her specific DNA with the devil fruit. I mean, that's so, possible too. Is, 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 there's some things to, to be explored there. but so, Which I think that we can safely assume we're not going to get a law pacifista because he became a warlord during the After the tip. fact, yeah. And yeah, I don't, I think these same thing with Black, same thing while. with Teach, same thing with Blackbeard. Right. And she, she joined the latest, yes? Uh, the light, the latest warlords to join were uh, no, even even from the original, she was like the newest oh, of yeah, that yeah, original yeah, yeah. too. I think so, so like, oh yeah, no, I was saying there was really so much in this chapter, and I feel like I could microanalyze it a lot more. But we did we did walk through start to finish um the kind of the main points of the chapter. Did you have anything else that you wanted to kind of wrap up on here, um, Anaki? No, I think we we covered pretty much everything we could. Otherwise, I mean, we we can keep speculating and speculating but mm-hmm. you know that that, that could turn in a, another hour we i think we, we've done a good service to the chapter uh this is probably a good wrap point yeah i'll give y'all one good um miguel pun i think we smashed it if you will so let's uh get on out of here Nah, yeah. I, nah, Miguel wouldn't touch it. <laughs> he would, he wouldn't. Man, I tried, I tried. No, nah, that was a Kenny original. <laughs> that was a Kenny original. Yeah, that was a I Kenny tried, original. I tried to give it a good old Miguel effort. <laughs> but guys, um, I, so this was for One Piece chapter 1059. I just want to ask, what was your chapter of the week or the day? Ooh, I mean it's one piece for me. I, I ain't even I ain't even about to question it. I ain't even about to Oh yeah, it. no, like it's, it's this, heavily one piece this, this week. week. Yeah, definitely one piece. One piece was the one that I was the most excited about. Uh I'd probably go with second place undead on luck. I'm not counting my hero in this for this week because that was last week. Was, yep. That was last week, so I'm not trying to Yeah, like, I would say it. I would actually go um JJK slightly over undead unlock for my second place this week. Um and only because Maki Supremacy. Yep. Um, this man. I feel that. Yeah. JJK and then luck. Sakamoto Days was actually it's fun too. I'm enjoying the arc and Mashal's just being I don't know. I think and Mashal's been following Naruto. Like literally the Zabuza arc. I fight that that is true. <laughs> that was hilarious. But I did like seeing the full scale of like what Doc can do. So 
I felt like that was like a throwaway. Oh, he's this part. He was a part of this clan. Oh, he had this kind of ability. Oh, it just somehow beats this brother. The upside is, is at least that that had been established for a while that like Dot had that mark and stuff. Because I remember when Mm -hmm. he first revealed it, he was yelling about something. And then somebody in the background was like, but now you're the typical Shonen pretty boy. So like, what's this? Yeah. Besides the whole, Marshall, oh, I, th- I thought I was the main character of the story. Nah, bro. Mm-hmm. You're a side character, but at least you have your side character with abilities. Ah, that, that, <laughs> I'll give you something. The self awareness of Marshall is always undefeated. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I think we, this is a good way to wrap up. Anarchy, please give us your plugs. Uh, as always, you can find me at Anarchy Smash FSP, whether that's Twitter, YouTube, if I ever get around to actually doing Twitch. Uh, me That's too, just, me too. You can always find me. Uh, I've been meaning to carry Sam and at least one Monster Hunter hunt at some point, so we don't have to get around to doing that. But... I'll try to grind, okay? I'll try to make time to grind. Because, <laughs> look, I, I, I'm on my, like, eighth weapon now. I'm finally playing more weapons. So just, it's only going to be a matter of time before it'll be like, yeah, you want to play this weapon? I got you. Do this. You want this weapon? I got you. Do this. So just saying. Appreciate that. <laughs> and, and, as y'all can see, I ain't got no stability on my internet to do any type of group play with my um my uh, game. So I've I've still not done anything in that game at all. Um, but maybe one day I have a new setup with my internet, so I might hardwire into the switch dock and see if maybe. Yo, I, I, my fingers crossing for your internet, man. It's... Bro, it was terrible tonight. This is the worst <laughs> it's ever been, bro. This is the worst it's ever been. But I, I, as I was saying, I do have a slightly new setup, um, and I can hardwire. So I think I'm gonna try that next time, and hopefully that helps everything. Um, but hey, you can order to find me. Uh, I've been on the on the 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 little social media break, but I'm back. Kendall Grant VA. Um, you can find all our links down below. Um, hit us it's up on, on the live Twitter. Chat too yeah it's in the chat so follow me um i got i got my beacons together now uh back to putting out tiktok so hit me up you know if you can see something funny you want me to react to cool you see a little voice acting challenge you want me to try slide it my way i got you cool 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 guys you can always follow me as saying manga man i am more active now on all social media especially on twitter mostly not facebook but yeah i'm also on discord everywhere also on both channels of Anime Lately and on my own personal account. I'm also in a lot of spaces that I'm doing, so you can always check those eyes out. They're fun. They're uh, they're wild, but they are great people. They are really good people. But anyways, of course, thank you guys for watching. I hope you guys enjoyed. Remember to like, subscribe, and remember to uh, press that bell notification so they know that new videos have come out. Thank you guys for tonight. Peace. See you.